everybody. I'm Jim Ford. I'm Dan Kersky. And I'm Chad Bokelman. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 114. This is it! <laughs> Finally. <laughs> For reals this time. Yes. Anybody who's been on our forum at all ever knows that people, they've wanted to hear about a particular story for forever, and <laughs> we just haven't done it. Not, I'll say 40% out of spite for those who wanted it, but mostly, <laughs> the vast majority of it was just, you know, when do we, when do we want to tackle this? Because this is, this is, I can't remember if you said this on air last time or not, Jim, but this is kind of a big deal as far as Green Lantern stories go. And, yeah. you know, we wanted to give it its, its due, which we're totally not going to do tonight, but <laughs> it'll, it'll be cool. Well, we have a surprise interview lined up with Jeff Johns. Yay! <laughs> uh, come on. <laughs> don't, don't, don't get their hopes up with stuff like that. <laughs> Uh, bro, you know I went behind your back and did it. Listen, that'd be awesome. <laughs> but I'm sorry, Chad, I don't have that much faith in you. <laughs> oh, he's, it'll happen. He's Jeff Johns tied up in Chad's basement. <laughs> That's his jingle. And honestly, if you surprise me with Jeff Johns, I'll kill you. <laughs> if you surprised you with Jeff Johns, you would be dead. You'd die right there. I would be very happy, but I would also kill you for not having any time to prepare. That's the he, best kind of interview, though. <laughs> he would drive down to Texas, where you and Mark both live, right, Jim? Because that's where he is. And he would strangle you. Oh, Florida. Yeah, yeah. I'm making fun of you for thinking Florida and New York are the same place. But they're not the same place. I know. This is another one of those stunning revelations you come to on air, like the, <laughs> the linguistic skills of German people. What? So I don't think we said yet, we're talking about Green Lantern Rebirth tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we danced around it quite a bit. Um, we're going we're gonna to tackle this differently than we've tackled things in the past. Do you think people are like, like, oh, story, we've been... They're finally going to do Sinestro Corps War. Finally, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's Rebirth. Oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so I didn't read this, but let's jump right in and start talking about Atrocitus. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working completely from memory. So how about that Rage Cat? Yeah. Atrocitus the Rage Cat. Yeah, he's in there. Yeah. Uh, okay, so... I don't know. You wanna you wanna do the who wants to do the general synopsis? You want me to take this? Should we should we let him do that? Uh, I'm out. I'm out. I know that. <laughs> All right. Well, how general do we want to be? We want to be very general, and then we'll go into more details as we, you know, go in depth. How yeah, a lot of... comes back. <laughs> a lot of my in depth questions kind of start at the very beginning and kind of they're non existent throughout the middle. So, uh, all right, I'll take a stab at this. Okay. All right, go ahead. <clears throat> all right. So, without having any notes or opening the book right now. All right, so up to this point, the Green Lantern franchise was kind of weird. You know, you had your you had the ongoing series with Kyle Rayner, which ended, 
I believe, a month or two before this started with issue 181, which left Kyle kind of disenfranchised with the Earth, and he just headed down to deep space just to, to do his thing and get away. And a, a little while before this, the Hal Jordan Spectre series also ended, which, yeah, I, don't, I don't know, Jim, had, you had more. I think out of the three of us, you read the most of that. I read it the wasn't, whole thing. Oh, okay, yeah, so that would be most of it. <laughs> and, you know, that was very... You know, it, it was kind of existentially. It makes me kind of think I might like it if I like Mosaic, and I do. But, like, fan reaction to that was kind of like, what's going on? <laughs> and then in late 2004, early 2005, entered Jeff Johns with this miniseries kind of bridging the gap between the Kyle Rayner book and the upcoming Hal Jordan book, which we're still reading today. <clears throat> and it basically it tells simply the return of, well, not just Hal Jordan, but the the larger scale Green Lantern mythos in general. And, you know, it picks up with <clears throat> with kind of kind of kind of bringing people up to date with the status quo of all of the main players, you know, where is Hal Jordan and what about John Stewart and Guy Gardner and the little Alan Scott and what's it, what's everybody standing with like different teams and the Justice League and where do they live and all this stuff. And as you go, <clears throat> excuse me, time. as you go further through the story, things start to to kind of happen below the surface. Things start to to you know, break down or just like 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 Guy Gardner's alien DNA acts up and he explodes and his bar is wiped out. John Stewart's starting to to get really just defiant, especially in the face of Batman. Uh, <clears throat> Hal Jordan's having like like a per, almost personality crisis where he's like it's himself and Parallax and the Spectre just all like like literally like split into three people tethered together by a green light and just arguing with each other and and parallax has fun with that he's just he's just like constantly pops up and just like makes him angry and disappears again but we get the the big old revelation that <clears throat> that parallax is not actually just another name how jordan took but that he's or sorry it's this fear entity that infected how jordan and we get like the whole the whole story that everybody listening to this knows by now. And from there you you know, we follow like the the struggle of Kyle Rayner as he he and Ganthet are trying desperately to put pieces in place to recapture Parallax in the central battery, which eventually does happen with the help of, you know, the other Earth Lanterns and to a lesser extent the the Justice League and Justice Society and Teen Titans and Along the way, we get uh, uh, status quo shifts for for basically everybody who's necessary to the Lantern mythos going forward. You know, Guy Gardner gets his green ring back. Uh, Kilowog is a lantern again instead of like a weird, funky death creature thing. <coughs> we got to cover that story eventually, my God. <laughs> um, uh, and, you know, by the end of it, it's it's this big... You know, big, big, great payoff of, okay, we we got you here. We told you why Hal Jordan is great, why everybody misses him, why it would be fun to have him back. And now 
now after a gigantic fight scene that's just kick-ass, we have him back, and, you know, let's go from there. So that was my kind of stream-of-consciousness <laughs> rebirth summary. Ta-da! Okay. <clears throat> so, uh... So, okay, Chad, you have some questions. Okay, well, to, to, to kind of go back a little bit, the reason part of these these questions are here is because Green Lantern Rebirth was my first exposure to Green Lantern, period. Um, I probably would have seen... I knew of the character, I knew the basic idea, but for some reason when going through a, a barn... Um, a now-defunct... Uh, what was that place called? Uh, Borders. Borders. Yeah. Uh, I was going through Borders, and I found this book, and I picked it up, and I, I liked it. I liked the art, so I so I went ahead and bought it, and I read it like five times that night. Um, so with that in mind, I haven't really read a whole lot of the Kyle stuff in the past, and I'm slowly catching up. So this is where my history with Green Lantern ever started. So page one, I have a question. If Kyle didn't know his ring could talk or translate, which... If I'm not mistaken, I think he kind of did in his older series at one point or another, but that's neither here nor there. Then how is he patrolling all the sectors? I mean, is he really <laughs> just like flying around throughout the cosmos looking for shit that's just going wrong and just swooping in and saving the day? Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, he, he definitely was at this point, but his, well, his ring didn't have the AI, um, although after... 150, didn't he, like, he restarted the power battery. Right. He so, did, yeah. Yeah, so, and, and Ganthet was, uh, was hanging out on Oa at that point. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, after that, they, there could have been, been an AI that, you know, got started up again. Yeah. They never really talked about that in those stories, though, but, you know, you can assume. Yeah. I just think it's kind of weird that you know, Kyle would. I mean, I, I guess what, knowing what I do know about Kyle, Kyle's story, I guess it's not too far out there that he abandoned Earth. Um, not not necessarily abandoned, as in quit protecting it, but just kind of, he doesn't have any attachments there anymore. Um, but to, to just kind of randomly go through every sector looking for something to fix, yeah. and somehow ends up in sector three five nine nine. Yeah. Well, there were. There's two things with that. One, it's not like he was like literally going through every sector. And you know, so, so then how? Well, that's that's my point though. So then how is he go, knowing where he's needed? <laughs> I th- my well, I also have two things with that, and I think they're more interesting than Jim's. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> First off, it's it's a very it's a cosmic ex- extension of, like, a very superhero thing to do. Because, like, no matter who you want to name, Green Lantern, Spider-Man, Batman, Superman, who- whoever, you always get, like, that, you know, once a night or once every few nights, they just go out on patrol. And they just scour as much of a city as they can and just, like, just take care of whatever problems or crime they come across. Right. Uh, since Green Lantern's, like, a cosmic superhero, he's doing that on, like, a cosmic scale, where he's just kind of drifting through space and when he finds trouble he does something about it you know this you know treating this particular planet like like a a corner with a mugging except it has a giant giant bug that want to kill little adorable things Hmm. my my other thing on it is how i i 
and this is something else that comes up throughout this book, uh, not a lot, but enough to make me happy, is that it's a very, very big idea sci-fi thing to do. Where it's like, okay, I can fly through space under my own power. Well, then I'm going to try to fly to the end of it. It's like <laughs> <laughs> that's all. Like if if I got fed up with Earth, because this this wasn't that far after um, he found Jade cheating on him in his own apartment, right? Mm. So, <clears throat> you know, if if that kind of crap happened to me, and I could just fly straight up forever <laughs> if I wanted to. I might think, like, you know what, I'm out here. Let me just do something weird that nobody's ever done before and you know, just see if... Let's see how far the universe goes. Well, there's there's one other possibility, and that's the fact that it could be that Kyle was drawn out there. By what? By Parallax. Why would Parallax want him Well, to- Well, y- y- if you... Like lure him the, away. Well, to, well, look, look at the panel. There's a there's a Sinestro core assemble snowflake on the. I mean, yeah, yeah. That's the only one. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> no, damn it! Every snowflake is unique and special. <laughs> <laughs> Which panel are we talking about? Uh, the one where it's a close-up of his ring saying, translating Parallax is coming. Yeah. yeah, I love the fact, too, and this is something that Jeff Johns does a lot in his early Green Lantern run, which he abandons promptly <laughs> at a certain point, where he just, he does not treat Earth like it's the center of the universe for a while. Whereas, <laughs> <laughs> like, he establishes English as... Uh, Sector 2814's language number, like, 945342. Whereas, like, typically you would see it as, like, number, like, 1 or 6 or something. But it's, like, it it kind of, like, subtly lowers the bar of humanity's importance in the universe to make it such, like, a big random number. Um, The one thing that I... I picked up this time around that I never noticed on any prior reading of Rebirth was uh, halfway through the book when he's dissolving Black Hand's hand. Mm-hmm. Like, right after the hand has been dissolved. Like Are you that, talking about the glove? Huh? Never mind. Never mind. Go ahead. No. <laughs> the hand's just been dissolved, and then there's like a larger panel around those where Black Hand is lying on the floor, and you have a close-up, or not a close-up, but you see, like, uh, the Spectra Spectra standing there. Look at the look on the face. Mm -hmm. It's the parallax grin and that one yellow eye. Well, and it's there's more than just that. If you go to the page right before that, when you see the Spectra reaching for Black Hand... The symbol... No, look at his glove. Look at his arm and look at his face and everything. And then if you turn the page, when he's actually reaching for his hand and where the 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 panel where it says judgment has been passed, look at his glove and arm again. It's the parallax costume glove. And yeah. look at his face, he's smiling. Right. 
Yeah, and his, he's got, like, a human complexion. So it's basically, like, like Parallax wearing the Spectre's cloak right here. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, yeah, that's cool. So I, that kind of brought up a point. Like, is we know that Parallax is affecting Hal, <clears throat> and we know that the Spectre's affecting Hal, but is Parallax affecting the Spectre or just overriding what the Spectre is doing? <laughs> Like, is he I, affecting how the Spectre is acting, or is he just taking over at certain points? He's uh, influencing. Yeah. Okay. And that's something that occurred to me on this read-through that I didn't think about before, is that this is as much kind of a, I won't say a rebirth, but a a, uh, a fix for the Spectre as well, to kind of explain away, like, the stuff that didn't work so much with him in the Hal Jordan era, because... <clears throat> Because right here, they, they somewhere in here, the uh, Parallax even refers to the Spectre as being as much his host as Hal Jordan is the host for the Spectre. So, and like, I think some of the characters talk, comment on how, you know, we can't let Parallax corrupt and take the Spectre's power. That kind of thing. So, and like, there was a, there was a run or a story arc in JSA right before this that showed <clears throat> the Hal Jordan Spectre really starting to embrace like the the gory side of of what the Spirit of Vengeance can do. So you could kind of look at at all the weird stuff that's been going on with the Spectre in the years up to this as being like parallax influence as well. So, are we seeing the evolution of the Sinestro Corps symbol throughout this book, or is it just kind of like a rough draft of what would eventually become the Sinestro Corps symbol? Um, yeah, I think it's... Well, that's that's basically it. <laughs> I mean, like, the, because, the, the halo over the Spectre's head as he's turning from Hal Jordan into the Spectre, mm-hmm. that, that's, like, straight on the, you know, the Sinestro Corps symbol. Yeah, but what about the little doohickey you see at the bottom of a lot of those symbols, like you know, with the snowflake and the, and I, I can't remember where, but there's a there's a couple of other places where it's like that. Because mm. <clears throat> we know how far we know how far ahead Jeff Johns plans stuff, so I mean. Yeah, he probably at least had the Sinestro core uh, in mind when he was doing all this. Yeah. All I know is that symbol's all over this book. <laughs> oh yeah, it's freaking everywhere. Yeah. I I have to think they knew what it was gonna look like because, I mean, you when they talk about it, they say like they look at the design that Ron uh, not Ron Mars Daryl Banks had for Hal's armor in uh, once he won all Parallaxy. And mm-hmm. they just extrapolated like the the pattern from that. So I have, I have to think it's probably there. I think one thing that that helps kind of obscure it throughout this book is that you rarely see just the symbol by itself. It's always either from a weird angle or it's like it's it's like intertwined in body parts or there's other energy going on in front of it. Yeah, the more noticeable places are like when Zatanna is hunting down where Hal is, and like the snowflake yeah. and all that other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> now, I mean, skipping back a little bit, this is just kind of a, I guess, kind of a funny uh, revelation to me. 
I never really thought about when I first read it, but going through on this read-through, when uh, Hal is the Spectre, and he saves that plane, can everybody in the crowd see and hear him? Because, like, a giant man snatching a falling plane out of thin air while saying in a very loud voice, saving this man is a waste of time, <laughs> seems like a, a little anti-heroic. <laughs> uh, they can see what the Spectre wants them to say. Okay. Yeah, that's basically I'm gonna how I have took to, it. I'm going to have to trust you on that. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think they got rid of the uh, the Voldarian aspect of Guy? Because it sucks. Like, why did the writers get rid of it? Or, like, how is it got getting rid Because that, that was something I never really understood. Like, yeah, let's bring it up, too. Did, did Parallax make that happen? Does it Was it just a coincidence of timing? Because, like, I, at first I thought it could have been just a coincidence, but then the fact that Hal's statue is the only one that survived in the bar explosion led me to think that Parallax had some kind of a hand in it. Like, I don't, I don't know how it actually happened or why it actually happened. I, I figured it was, it was a parallax thing. Yeah. I mean, it could be, I, oh yeah, back when I first read this, which was, like, when it was first coming out, I, I assumed that everything going on was parallax behind the scenes. And I don't know, I didn't, I don't know if I thought too hard about, well, why would he want to get rid of God Gardner's Voldarian DNA. Why would... <clears throat> I mean, unless it was just easier to control him if he had a ring on. I, I don't know if there was some kind of genetic variable, but that doesn't even... I mean, ultimately, it was just because they wanted the classic interpretation of Guy Gardner back since this other one wasn't selling books. Yeah. Which, which I'm totally fine with. <laughs> but... Mm-hmm. Um, what's interesting... It, Chad... Does the I have the hardcover here. Does the softcover yeah. trade have like the scripts and the all that stuff in the back? Oh, I have the hardcover too. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> well, in the back, I don't know if you've read it. They have um like Jeff Johns is not not full scripts, but the the breakdowns for all five issues. And yeah. you know, if you read these, like there's some stark differences between what we got and what he initialed initially planned like a lot of it is uh, okay all the same stuff but not necessarily in the same order uh but for guy gardner at least in jeff john's breakdowns the voldarian thing didn't come up whatsoever like he in fact he had a yellow ring and like the big deal was that okay this all like the freaky explodey energy stuff that was happening was coming from his yellow ring, which was starting to rupture because of a parallax thing, because it's linked to parallax and this and that. And, like, that's what they were doing on the watchtower, trying to get it off of him safely. And I think it even said that uh, he gets... he They get a duplicate ring from John to put on his finger to overload the yellow ring, which is how he gets his green ring back. Hmm. And I think this... I think... I didn't look this up. I think it was in reference to... um that JLA classified story at the time, which was um, which had a guy show up with a yellow ring. It was with like a lot of the the Justice League International characters, but like it wasn't supposed to be in continuity, so that might be why they changed that. Uh, 
Yeah, because he lost his yellow ring during, uh, it was, I guess, Emerald Fallout, or I think, something like that. Yep, that's where it blowed up. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Although, you know, I mean, I guess if they wanted to, if they really wanted to, like, you know, give it back to him, they could always get Nero's ring. Yeah. Well, what you said earlier about, like, if Parallax caused the Valdarian DNA or whatever to reject, and that was a way to get yet another foot soldier and another foothold into Parallax's influence and stuff, that that brought up another question I had. Like, if, if pulling Parallax out of the battery got rid of the yellow weakness, and then, like, Kyle's ring and John's ring after the fact could, in fact, work on yellow, then... How is Parallax getting a foothold in their psyches now by them just using the ring? <clears throat> like, if he's been around all this time, then why now? Do you mean after he's out, or what do you mean? I mean, because because <clears throat> if he's been in Hal the whole time, and all this... I mean, the only thing I could think of was maybe reigniting the sun weakened him... Uh, oh, okay. okay. I mean, like, just, like, how is them using the ring causing this fear to creep into their mind? Like, the, 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 it, they don't artistically show it in here, but the way I'm feeling it and reading it to me is, like, every time they use their ring, it's almost like fear is, like, creating a spider web over their mind, just kind of clouding everything and, and, and warping their sense of reality, but... Like, how, how is that happening, then, and, and why now? You know what I mean? It could just be... I mean, like, we'll get to this in a bit, but... <clears throat> but, uh, they basically say, like... When he... By the time he got out of the battery, Parallax had been basic, Like, essentially dead. Mm-hmm. And, like... And, like, weakened and all this stuff. So he bonded to Hal Jordan. And has basically been... I would assume building its strength back up. But the okay. way it, the way it found Hal in the first place was like reaching out through the rings. So like that took who knows how long. So I have to think that in or out of the battery, Parallax knows how to access we'll call it the ring network whenever he wants to. Hmm. Which, you know, I don't know. It's <laughs> it's it's very effective. It makes it makes for like a really ominous, you know, your greatest power is your greatest weakness kind of thing. Like the, like the rings aren't just like, okay, we have superpowers, let's deal with this. It's, oh crap, if we use this, we could kill our friends. Yeah. <clears throat> um, what you call it? The, the snowflake scene that you guys are talking about, mm-hmm. that's not actually in Green Lantern Rebirth. Yeah, well, it's from... It's from the, the prequel story that was in the Secret Files. Yeah. But you know what? It's in the trade. So there. Well. Well, and the, and the same little doohickey is at the bottom of the, uh... At the bottom of the symbol when Zatanna is looking for Hal, so... It's not like it's a one-time occurrence. Yeah. Hmm. I gotta say, I mean, and this this even bothered me when I first picked up this this trade, uh, this hardcover is, yeah, I liked the art at the time, and over time my taste have evolved to where eh, 
I still enjoy Ethan Van Skyver's art, but I prefer like Yvonne Hayes more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm kind of getting sick of uh, Van Skyver's work, but I really do not like the way he drew Batman then or now. Really, really? Like I don't, I don't like his how his shoulder pads are like swooped up and spiked. I don't like like when they uh, <laughs> when they confront Hal at the at at Ferris Aircraft. If you look at Batman's cloak, like it's huge. <laughs> it is freaking it's 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 like a it's like a bed sheet times two <laughs> for a king size bed and somehow he's got like hooks or hands or I don't know what the hell's happening with this I just don't like the way he draws Batman. Uh, you should have seen God, there's there was a whole era of Batman where like the ears on his cowl were like three feet long each, and the cable is even bigger than this. <laughs> that was so yeah. ridiculous. Uh, but speaking of the cape, in that particular scene, like if you go to the page right before the Justice League are there, mm-hmm. like you get this, like that that big old cape gives like an awesome moment that I wanted to point out, where it's like this, this nice tender moment between Hal and Carol, and and just swirling around them is Batman's cape, like the symbol of like darkness and foreboding and dread coming off of the one person in all the world that, that trusts Hal Jordan the least and wants to, to go after him. It was like, it's like a nice little, like, like transitional imagery. Mm. And, and then you turn the page, you get the justice league looking super like ominous like these, like this is the group that should be like inspiring hope in whoever sees them, and like they almost look like like uh oh supervillains. We have to run. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean you got you got Wonder Woman standing there with her lasso taut. You see Superman standing there with his arms wide, like you're not going anywhere, and you know John's flying up with his ring in front of him, like yeah. he's ready to shoot. I mean Aquaman looks like he's cool with everything, but you know everybody else. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Zatanna's the writ looks like she's about ready to cast a spell. Yeah. And I love, like, there's little art touches I'm just going to randomly bring up throughout this, but, like, that same page, you know, before we got the revelation of, you know, controlling through the ring, you get John having his little freak out, and, you know, he's grabbing his head, and the aura, the part of his aura around his head is, like, pulsating. So it's like, yeah. it's like... It, it's it's flat out visually showing us, see, okay, he's being attacked mentally through his own power. Speaking of John, like back when, uh, and I guess we're gonna hop around a lot, but it's okay. Oh yeah. When uh, when Guy and John went to the game, I really like that that reality check that Guy gives John. Like, um, let's see, uh, just reading a part of it. When Jordan first gave you that ring, you had guts. You spoke your mind. You did what was right. That's why you were chosen out of the Green Lantern in the first place. Then you made a mistake and you stopped trusting yourself. Had to look to others to lead you around. Yeah, you know, like he's just kind of. I, I I don't think he's being a dick about it. He's just kind of like you know, like a good friend would, you know, telling you point blank, "Look, dude, here's what's going on, and here's what I'm seeing, and this is what you should probably try and do about it." Yeah, and this is like these three pages are like a conversation like these two should be having because like they have this kind of history with each other, they know each other this well, and and they, you know, guy ha- definitely has a point because I mean, you know, 
stepping back to reality a little bit, he, this is also, you know, this, this is probably the best thing that John has been used for since Mosaic ended. For, like, it was, what, like, ten years between Emerald Twilight and this, something like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was, like, this 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 languishing background character until he got a ring, and you thought, oh my god, he's got a ring back, this is gonna be awesome, and then they really didn't do anything with him then either. He was this languishing background character that also happened to have a ring. And they didn't do a whole lot with him in Kyle's run either, as far as I know. I mean, they, they did more with him than previously done, but they... It, it, my, my feeling, and again, I haven't read all of Kyle's series yet, but my feeling with John in that series was he was almost like a secondary Alan Scott to Kyle. You know what yeah. I mean? Well, yeah. so, okay. The, the thing with John Stewart is that one, he was more of a friend to Kyle than than Alan was, because Alan was far more of a mentor. Now, John yeah. was there as a mentor in some respect, but he was also more, you know, because John is an architect and he draws as an architect, and Kyle is an artist. They had that in common, and. They and you know between that and the you know being Green Lanterns, they they had a friendship over that. And as far as John just you know languishing, John was he was a dark star for years, and then he had like he was a, a pretty big supporting character in in Kyle's Kyle's run, and then they put him on the the Justice League, and he was the Green Lantern on the Justice League because of the cartoon. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, saying that John, first of all, saying John was a dark star is like saying Guy Guy Gardner was a Valdarian. You know, it was like it was this, it was a diversion. It got him into another book for a while, but ultimately it didn't amount to anything great, anything really notable for the character. And you know, you hit the nail on the head when you bring up Justice League, which is, I think, had more to do with John getting a ring back in the comics than anything else. Because that show took off, and that was probably that like not even you know, forget the most successful usage of John Stewart probably ever at the time. This was the most high-profile thing Green Lantern in general had ever been a part of, unseating possibly Super Friends for like the five episodes Hal Jordan was in. <laughs> yeah, and and Jeff Johns calls that out in Guy's own dialogue. He says, "And what's your role as a Green Lantern with the Justice League? You're just a good little soldier, Stuart." Yeah. 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 I mean, it's not like Johns is putting down the previous writing. He's just pointing out the the position John was in before this book. Yeah. Yeah, with possibly even with a little nod to the fact that uh, that show made John into a good little soldier, literally with a military career, which right. Johns then brought in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but no, this is what Jeff Johns does. You know, this is what he does well. He takes the past, he takes the problems, he acknowledges it to your face, and then does something cool. You know what I mean? <laughs> he takes the good, he takes the bad, he takes them both. And there you have the Jeff John books. The Jeff John books. I really feel like this isn't the first or second time you've incorporated the Facts of Life theme song into the show. Yeah, no, he, I'm, I'm pretty sure. He has, he has indeed done it before, and we uh, would prefer <laughs> if he didn't do it again. <laughs> oh. Now hey, we're Rand- definitely going to do it more. 
Okay. We we mentioned Alan and I'll, and and this is like I get this whole book now at, after um you know you know reading a lot of the and delving into the history of Green Lantern both before this book and after. But the part I just do not get <laughs> is Alan's story. What yeah, I like, get. I just I don't how how is he being affected here? Like it, it's it's like he's got this. I don't know. I guess maybe they're trying to portray it as if Guy or as if Alan is feeling emotional, but it's almost like he's being affected like everybody else is, just not in as an extreme of a way. I think what it comes down to is like they just wanted to make sure they mentioned Alan because it's like a huge Green Lantern thing. Yeah. But I mean, again, going back to the the breakdowns at the end of the the hardcover. You know, in the original plan, like, Alan was going to be right there with John and Guy and Kilowog as, like, brainwashed foot soldiers for Parallax. But then I guess somewhere along the line they realized, uh, that doesn't actually... Yo, yo, Chad Bolfman's right in the future. We shouldn't, uh, that doesn't work. Let's not do that. So they didn't. (laughs) But, I mean, they do, like, a bunch of people do reference throughout here that, uh, it kind of... You kind of feel feverish once Parallax starts to creep in. And at one point, uh, Jade was kind of helping her dad walk because he was like all sorts of out of it and starting to feel sick with a fever and stuff. So I don't know. I think what they're going to was kind of a kind of a I don't know, almost like a play on like the real association between Alan and the rest of the Green Lantern mythos, whereas he's not really tied into it. But he's called Green Lantern, uses a ring, so he kind of is. So he's not really affected by Parallax, but he kind of is. Well, I mean, he keeps saying, like, keep an eye on them and, you know, all, all this stuff. But it's, I mean, maybe he's just through his magical abilities kind of, and, and the connection that it has to the Green Lantern mythos is just kind of feeling that something is coming that's bad. But the only the only part of Alan's story that really made sense to me as far as him being involved in it was when he says he feels a sense of responsibility to the Green Lantern Corps and to the Spectre because he does have ties does have ties to both. Yeah, through like the JSA and all that. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to find it now. Where is it? Um, before? Oh no, it's before. The hell. <clears throat> It's before they separate him out. Oh, okay, yeah. When they're attacking Parallax, and Parallax is just Parallax, I guess, with Hal inside him. Uh, Alan, Alan goes after him, and uh, Parallax says, you know, I tried to take you too, but your power differs from ours. Nevertheless, you know, your heart will be my whatever. So, I don't know. I guess that was their, uh, their little explanation of, you know, he's not quite a Green Lantern in the same way that everybody else is, so, you know, well, he's okay. You know, <laughs> they've they've revamped the way, you know, like, how his storyline goes. Um, and so I, I doubt the Yalan Gurr thing is even in continuity anymore. Which I am absolutely fine with, because that's just overcomplicated. I, I liked it. But... Yeah. <laughs> but essentially, I think what they're kind of going with is that the Star Heart, which Alan Scott gets his powers with, is all the random magic in the universe encased in green willpower energy. 
by the, the Guardians. And so it's magic-based, but it does have, you know, the connection to uh, the willpower energy. It doesn't have a connection to the central power battery, but it does have, you know, a connection to the green. Um, and I think the other thing is keeping Alan Scott in the book is, you know, like I think uh, Jeff Johns down the road definitely <laughs> wants to use Alan Scott. He wants to do something. Look at the, you know, the Legion, was it Legion of Three Worlds? Mm-hmm. You know, um... Oh, yeah. And yeah. also the Origins and Omens. <clears throat> Origins and Omens, you know, if you remember, they were three people that the Guardians called before them, and Alan Scott was one of them. Yeah. Plus, like, this is... I, it, I forget the timing, but this was either right after or close to the end of Jeff Jones' really long run on JSA, where he really got into the character of Alan. So, you know... He, I don't think he, in good conscience, could let himself not incorporate this character into a Green Lantern story. Right. Um, well, <clears throat> yeah, I, I like I like that, I guess. But what what's something that just occurred to me, because I've been flipping through this book as y'all been talking, um, and I didn't think about it before, but Jeff, in this book right here, st- sets up the fact that maybe the Spectre is scared of Parallax. Like right, right in this this one book, because Guy himself says, "Did we just get ditched by the Spectre?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, that's... like the second the Spectre is free of Parallax, he cuts and runs. Like he, you know, tries to explain it away, but he still just up and disappears. Yeah. Yeah. And when they make that callback during Blackest Night, it's so like I don't remember what I thought of it at the time, but now, like going back through it, I'm like that is. I I like that. That's awesome because they really do. They they set up throughout this story the fact that yeah, the Spectre thought burning out Parallax would be maybe not easy, but that it would be done by now. <laughs> and what ended up happening is that Parallax is just regaining his strength to the point that okay, he's overwhelming the Spectre, and it took the Spectre plus Hal Jordan's will to just separate the three of them. So yeah, you know, this, <laughs> he he might want to wipe out the entity or entities. Spoiler: There's future entities coming. Oh my god! <laughs> but you know, they're too much for him. And, yeah. Well, speaking speaking of uh, future cores, uh, and I'm sure one of us would have said this at some point. But you notice when uh, I mean it's very subtle, but you notice when Hal is in like by himself now and just just in spirit form. Two things: one. The color of the spirit world is, yeah, yeah, it's very, very blue. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing I was thinking, you know, not related to that, but is how in the world is Gant that so powerful? Like they say earlier in the book, he can crack a planet in half with a thought. And then they, he also is powerful enough to guide Hal Jordan's soul in the afterlife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is a great scene, but. You know, that yeah. is kind of a, kind of a, hey, hey, I'm going to distract you from God and heaven with this shiny little ball. Go get it. Go get it. <laughs> it's like a cat with a laser pointer. Go get it. Go get it. Go your body. <laughs> uh, but actually, that is, again, I just, I just read like an hour ago the thing in the back of the book. So I'm just going to keep throwing stuff in there. 
originally it was going to be like it was going to be the specter that guided Hal back to his body. But mm. I think it works. I think it means more if it's Ganthet, you know? Now, mm-hmm. it definitely is Ganthet that's guiding him back and not Parallax? Yes. Yes. Okay. It's while, it's while uh, Parallax is starting to infect Ganthet, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why I wasn't sure if, <laughs> you know, instead of, like, killing Hal, you know, and say, you know, go towards the light, Parallax sent it off so that he would come back and uh, you know he could be infected as well. Yeah, the, the way the way I saw it was Ganthet was getting infected. He knew he was going to be overrun, and with his like he was holding off, and then the last vestige of his power, he sent Hal back to his body, and then fully was taking over after that. Yeah. Now speaking of this, and when I read this, I was like, "Are you shitting me?" The initial idea for the end was not for Ganthet to be infected by Parallax and to become the big bad that everybody has to fight. It was for Batman to be. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you... I mean... Oh, Didn't he say something like, I, I sense a worshipper among you or something like that? Yeah, yeah, a disciple, a worshipper. Yeah. And then you just see a shot of Batman standing there, which I, which, I mean, just on its face is like a cool thing because, like, his whole thing is fear. So it's like... It's like, ha, that's fun. But, I mean, in, in a way, it kind of... I, let, let me go on record here. I'm glad they didn't do it. But, on, in a way, it makes sense for them to have done it. Because, I mean, I mean, at least on this read-through, it's very almost blatant that Batman is the villain of this book, kind of, you know? Like, he is, like, the huge anti-Hal Jordan guy. He's always... He spends more time as a silhouette in complete darkness than he does as like a fully rendered human being like they portray him as like this like this dark wraith that's out to get the guy that everybody else is building up as this great beacon of light that needs to come back so having batman be the the personification of parallax by the end that hal has to confront i like i could see why jeff johns was initially going down that road you know yeah I, but I can also see why he didn't do it is because he's, for all intents and purposes, regardless of how, because I remember you guys talking about this a while back, uh, Jim. If I remember right, you didn't like this idea, right? That Parallax was basically a fear bug. That is correct. Okay. Well, like it, for regardless of how you feel about it or felt about it at the time, Jeff Johns wraps a lot of this up and solves a lot of problems in this book. By not having Batman get taken over by Parallax, you still leave that tension between Hal and and uh, Batman. Yeah. But if you if he did get taken over, then Batman would understood would have understood what happened and forgive forgiven Hal all the more easy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. But but by the same token, like, what, how, what was it? Issue seven or eight where Batman? Six. It was six. I think so. So, right around there. So, you're basically talking like just it was a matter of months before Batman and Hal Jordan kind of came together and saw eye to eye. Yeah. I think the key here isn't isn't the timing. I think it's it's how they did it. Because if they went with their initial plan, it would be like flipping a light switch and now they're buddies again. Whereas in that issue, 
you know, they had to, though, after letting this this stew for a couple weeks or months or however long it was between, <clears throat> they had to suck it up and work together in order to like get through their problems. They had to spend time together. They had to talk. So you know, them kind of being okay with each other after that is a lot. It's a lot more of a believable human way to get over stuff than just oh crap that magic thing happened and now I'm okay with you um I mean I like what they did but by the same token it makes a lot of sense to have Batman get taken over by Parallax I mean like not only would that have been awesome but it does make a lot of sense, and I think it actually makes more sense than having Gantet be able to be taken over by Parallax. You just want a Batalax figure. Well, I, I have a Sinestro Core Batman figure. Oh, that would look completely different. But, but no, because because honestly, like I I have a few issues with Gantet being able to be taken over by Parallax. What? What? Because, I mean, they set up the fact that that it was apparently a danger for the Spectre, and I would think Ganthet's... And Ganthet, they bring up twice in here that Ganthet's supposedly more powerful than the Spectre, which I think is bullshit. He was just trying to, to talk himself up before fighting Parallax by himself, but... I could see how a Guardian would be more powerful than the Spectre. Yeah, wasn't wasn't he part of that um... the quintessence? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, um, yeah, five of the most powerful cosmic beings in all the universe. Um, no, but yeah, and that... like, okay, here's here's the big difference. <clears throat> the Spectre, like, he was well. He was, well, first off, he wasn't completely taken over by Parallax. He was influenced because it was bonded to Hal Jordan, and that, yeah. that's how it got its foothold. Yeah. But if Hal wasn't in there, though... If Hal wasn't in there, then it wouldn't have been able to get a foothold. And with with uh, with Ganthet, now you're talking about somebody that's supposedly more powerful than the Spectre, and now here's the biggie, you're talking about one of the people, like one of the members of the race that imprisoned Parallax in the power battery in, to begin with. So yeah. he should, like, he knows, he knows a, a hell of a lot more about Parallax than anybody else. Yeah, and imprisoning Parallax with that knowledge is something it took him and, like, 20 people just like him to do. But you would it, think that, like, with the knowledge that he has of Parallax, he would have a slightly better edge than anybody else as far as wielding off Parallax. Not if... If, if the Spectre has more raw power than Ganthet does, that's, that could close the gap. But they're saying that he doesn't. Yeah, they're also trying to say that Ganthet's memories of Parallax were erased, and then Parallax turns around and says, that's bullshit, you remembered everything. Anyway. Batman. <laughs> Deal. One punch. <laughs> yeah. That's great. <laughs> As long as they as long as they space out those references to that JLI issue, I am fine with them keeping them coming. <laughs> and the look of joy on Guy Gardner's face when the punch happens. <laughs> um, and come 
And I think we can all agree that page towards the beginning where John calls out Batman is amazing. Where he just shines as light as bright as he can and says, uh, uh, how is the one person in this world that, that didn't buy what you're selling? How is the man without fear? And what is the Batman in Air Bunnies when you're not afraid of him? Right. Just a man. Like, that was that was one of those, like, oh, shit, he said it kind of things. Yeah. Oh, I can't believe he went there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for all the talk, like, people always talk about Superman and Batman being opposites. But, like, even just reading this story, like, realistically, it's it's Batman and Hal Jordan are opposites more so than Batman and Superman. Um, what you call it? Now, in, uh, in issue three... <laughs> There's there's a piece of information that they uh, that they bring up in this issue that after reading this on you know reading this recently it's like I I look at it and I'm like oh my god I'm like how come I didn't pay closer attention to this line you know between here and issue 25 of Green Lantern it's like, which one is uh, oh, oh is it is it the one that opens up with the Kilowog fight. Is that the issue? Oh, he's he's talking he's talking about the line <laughs> we're talking about the spectrum. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I was gonna bring that up later. Yeah. The central, Where Kyle said the central battery the guardians made it collects willpower from every living being in the universe, raw emotional willpower converted into energy. Which, by the way, this is the first time that they've explicitly stated that. Like this is where the origin of that comes from. Before that, it was just energy. Yeah, it was, some writers called it light, some called it plasma, some some made up terms like it was psychokinetic plasma down the visible spectrum of light, or yes. just whatever words you wanted to plug in. He continues amplified by our own a million times over their willpower. There's an electromagnetic, there's an emotional yeah. electromagnetic spectrum out there that can be harnessed and used. Green <laughs> power is green willpower is the most pure. You know what's funny about that? <laughs> The fact <clears throat> I remember when the issue came out, there were people that were latching onto that line, and go and like immediately had a problem with it. And I and I my take on it was, um, I'm sure I'm sure he doesn't mean it literally or anything. They're just like trying to make a point or like build up the mythos or something. Yeah. <laughs> and it turns out they made meant it super literally, and they're going to base the mythos around it. Yep. <laughs> And again, it's so weird to read this. Cause reading this, bef- reading this when it came out in context, and reading it now in context is such a different experience. Because there's stuff like that whole panel of dialogue. It's it, like it's all exposition. It's all telling you stuff that's going to matter down the road. But just reading the story, it, you almost treat it like throwaway information. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> now, what what I'm curious about is though is is what it doesn't say about Parallax or about the Guardians and the Entities, because, I mean, yeah, obviously Johns didn't set up any of this stuff. I mean, he yeah, he, he did a little bit with that line and stuff. But look, if you look at that, that next page where the Guardians are circling Parallax and then they forge the battery around him and all that stuff, but before that, you can see clearly see Parallax is living off the fear and causing destruction on the planets. Well, what about the other Entities? Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, well, what were they doing? And the, were the guardians <laughs> so guardians aware of their presence? And if so, 
then what did they do about it, if anything at all? You know, because you think like if Parallax posed enough of a threat for them to circle up and create a battery around him, <laughs> imprisoning him, then how much more so did they have to deal with whatever the butcher was doing? Well, I think that would that's part of well, one of the uh, the, the green the, the guardians great lies. You know, like it's not it's not the great lie, but it, it's one of the biggies because, as we know, as we found out later on, Parallax <laughs> Parallax came in a box that they decided <laughs> to put in the battery so that the Green Lanterns would be weak to yellow. Yeah, like they talk here about how you know once he was sealed up, his legend was purposely forgotten, so that nobody would try to let him out. Well. <clears throat> but the legend that was purposely forgotten was a cover story for the real legend, which was only part of a bigger legend, which they just don't want anybody to remember. Right. It's kind of it's weird. It it kind of reminds me of Ganthet's tale a little bit with the whole like 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 we're gonna create a fake beginning of the universe so that nobody can see the real beginning of the universe. So the universe can still begin, or whatever the hell the whole deal was. It's it's really complicated, and it's really timey-wimey, gardeny, wardeny. Shut up. Two two minor points, just to wrap up my list of questions that I have offhand, because I could probably come up with some more later on. So, technically, it doesn't... I mean, obviously, we find out later on that everybody will figure this out, but... Technically, in this story, doesn't Black Hand now know who Green Arrow really is? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, well, he goes down to the Arrow Cave. <laughs> yeah, by by going through the Queen Mansion. <laughs> so yeah, he does seem surprised to to see Green Arrow. Yeah. <laughs> and then my other question was: when Kyle brings the ship out of the sun, which, by the way, that's a badass looking ship. That is uh, awesome. Like and I, and I, and just furthering the thing, I, I really like how Kyle that page of Kyle opening the ship looks like Abin, you know, crash landing and offering the battery, you know, that kind of a thing. Oh, right. oh god, yeah, it's a, it's a complete callback. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. But but the question I have is, these kids who are hiking who don't believe in UFOs, don't they exist in a universe with Martian Manhunter, Green Lantern, and Superman? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same at the same time though, uh, Batman, uh, uh, possibly Batman. I think definitely Mister Terrific though. Don't believe in magic. Well, and they've see. all been on teams with Doctor Fate and Zatanna and the Spectre. <laughs> Wait a second! I just realized. What? Um. <laughs> to, yeah. To to continue on what Chad was saying. Not only do they live on a planet with Superman, Martian Manhunter, and countless other aliens, but Coast City, after <laughs> it was destroyed by a by a spaceship crash landing on Earth, another spaceship called Haven, with a whole city of aliens, like landed there and took up root. I was gonna ask you about that because I did not remember what the hell Haven was. Oh yeah, it was uh, it was an alien ship. There was a bunch of different species of aliens on it. Um, 
crash lands on Earth and they have to figure out a place to put them all. Did it say where they came from? I can't remember. I, I, oh. I you know, I picked up at least the first issue. I might have picked up the second issue. I don't know how many issues there were, and it was really bad. They had wait. This was a series. Like there was a book called Haven. It was like a mini series. Oh boy, I'll have to find out. I might have a vested interest in that, depending on where they're from. I'll have to look <laughs> into that later. Because they've never, to my knowledge, explained where all the residents of the mosaic went when Oa exploded. So this would be a nice answer. It <laughs> <laughs> um, would be nice. Hey, speaking of these two hikers that help Kyle, kind of. Right. What, like, I came out of this, like, and again, I didn't think about this until this time through, but was there really even a point to these two guys? Because they don't really do anything. Of course there was a point. What was the point? The whole entire point of the hikers was so that when Kyle is spilling out exposition, he's not talking to himself. Look, what exposition does he actually say? Like, he's... He does that that creepy, you know, it's coming, it's coming, that that whole thing. Yeah, and he was also, like, falling... He was was incredibly feverish, falling in and out of consciousness. It could have just been him rambling into the air. (laughs) They wanted to have him talk to somebody. I mean, like, like that, that first page turn where he says, don't be afraid... Like that, he's already pre- basically crawling. Like he, this could just be him, like like suffering, just kind of talking out loud to himself, like trying to, like tell himself, "Don't be afraid," or like has to tell everybody. Because I mean, there's nothing. I don't know. It, it felt like they, it didn't matter that they were there, and then they were just gone with a flick of Vaganthet's wrist. Which, incidentally, the initial treatment was for the Kilowog to brutally murder them. <laughs> So they got off pretty good. <laughs> um, who's restoring Coast City? Yeah, I mean, I know it's, you know, Parallax, Spectre, Hal, but, like, is it Hal subconsciously doing it with the power of Parallax? Like, It's Hal doing it with the power of the Spectre. No, I think it's Parallax entirely. Why? For what purpose is he <laughs> doing this? Well, back when, um... Uh, where is it? Because I mean, uh, while I'm looking for that, there was that bit where um, they, the JLA confront Hal at the airstrip and say, and Hal's like, all I did was fix this airfield. That's all I did. Right. <clears throat> and when, where is it? Right before, right when, where's the, what, is, oh, here it is. It's right before, um... No, it's right after Parallax, like, rips off Hal as a coat, and he uh, explodes Hal's apartment building. <clears throat> I thought I had it. Where'd you go? Uh, I can't find it. He says something to the effect of, like, okay, I'm in control now, so keeping you placate... Oh, here it is, here it is. Okay, so you got Parallax standing there. The Spectre's in the shambles. Hal Jordan's, um, you know, completely suppressed. Uh, he says, Spectre, your cries for vengeance against me fade. And Hal Jordan's soul no longer poses a threat. Keeping him content no longer concerns me. The charades are over. And then he explodes the apartment building. So I think he was, I think Parallax 
again, still doing behind the scenes stuff, was doing stuff to kind of, kind of rattle or placate Hal. Right. Well, that makes sense. Mm. Um, <clears throat> I miss page numbers. Where the really? hell did the guardians come from? That's never explained. Yeah. And, uh, again, well. <laughs> in the in the, the the original treatment for this, it's very god. Should <laughs> I kind of want to see them just make this comic? Just do a what if or Elseworlds or something where they just draw, like get Van Skyver to draw the original idea for this thing. Um, the last three pages or so, the last scene was going to be like the Guardians, like the kid Guardians, because they were still like children at this point. Right. Like mm-hmm. on Oa, actively aging themselves and doing the whole it's time, the time has come thing. You know? So. Basically, that still happened. It was just entirely off panel. <laughs> I really would have liked to have seen that happen. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I <laughs> really hated about Rebirth was how <laughs> Van Skyver redesigned Hal Jordan as Parallax. Mm. How yeah. do you mean? Oh, do you mean which, the monster face? Yeah. Yes, which which they've continued since, then, which we've all we've all pretty much hated in any form, like whether it's uh, the Flash as as Parallax or anything, yeah, or Kyle as Parallax. Yeah, basically giving anybody that mouth of teeth, or even like making them look the way that they look when their mouths are open, like in issue four or five or whatever. It's just it it doesn't look it doesn't look good. It looks like. Retarded as opposed to actually scary. I don't know. I mean, my issue with the Flash's parallax is that all they did was give him a demony face and keep him looking otherwise exactly like the Flash. With Hal as parallax, he's at least wearing like a special parallax suit or something, you know? Yeah, but the original parallax suit was a that was a great design. I mean, this time around, they <laughs> they just gave him a big smile like the Joker. Without the lipstick. This time around, Parallax is completely in control, as opposed to being like this this weak thing getting its strength back. Okay, that's fine. But why did he have to (laughs) decide to look stupid? Why would he want to look human? Because he wants to blend in. Well, obviously not anymore. (laughs) Um, I mean, mean, look at what... Look at the form he takes... When he's in Ganthet, you know, you think that he cares about blending in? He's, like, he would have done what he did inside Ganthet, what, like, whether he was in Ganthet or not. He was trying to, like, to spread fear and feed off of it for the entire planet, you know? Um, yeah, what was it, uh, issue four? Issue four, we get the, uh, the amazing scene with Green Arrow using the ring mm-hmm. to create the energy, the willpower energy green arrow. Yeah. And that that awesome line is like, it's like, you know, I had no idea. You know, is it always like this? And Kyle's like, every time. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. It's it's kind of fun how they snuck in a Green Lantern Green Arrow team up into the story. <laughs> so it's basically the everything that happens on the Watchtower. Speaking of Green Arrow... At the towards the very end, when Hal is you know free and you know uh, Ollie is cleaning up the basement, you can very Van Skyver drew it so you can clearly see that there's still bones and dust <laughs> in the <laughs> dustpan 
<laughs> oh man. <sighs> you know, Ollie, he's never gonna throw that out. <laughs> he's been um, saving the ring for this many years. Yeah. I was, I was gonna say, let's talk about two pages that no one ever really talks about when we talk about rebirth. And that is the pages with Hector Hammond. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Go for it's, it. It's, it's very overlooked in, in, in all the mess, uh, not mess, but all the, all the story and exposition and <clears throat> revelation that's happening in this, in this book. There are two pages featuring Hector Hammond, and, and being, you know, hindsight being 2020, I suppose we could just look back on this and say, well, all Jeff is just doing here is reminding us that Hector Hammond is out there because he's going to be using him again later. But specifically when he says, you know, <laughs> and my Captain Jordan, my precious, precious Jordan, you found your way here, and won't it be ever so delicious and exciting when they find their way, way back too? So who's they? Like, are we are we thinking about Evil Star's little minions that happen later on? Like, who is they? I think in the past, somebody, maybe Jim, has said that, or I don't, I don't know, because I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I don't think they've ever really, ever really um, uh, answered that question. If I mean, if it's gonna, because this is, they make it nice and ominous here. And I feel like we haven't gotten a payoff that really fits what they did to set it up. So, I mean, if they want to say, oh, yeah, it was those, uh, those gremlins, yeah, sure. That, I would feel kind of, kind of let down by that, unless they do some really bitch and evil star story later, which, by the way, somewhere in here, I think it's when, um, John Stewart and Ollie were talking on the Watchtower. Yep. They even bring up Evil Star. Yes. So, yep. Jeff do. Johns wants to do something with this freaking villain, and I want to see it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's. It hasn't just been here. I mean, I think that he actually mentions Evil Star like twice in this book. Yeah, it was in here. Um, he does it. I know later on when um, uh, we see the Flash like Black Hand's abduction. Yo, that and... that was Evil Star. Yeah, Evil Star and... is the reason for Black Hand <laughs> becoming the way that he was for the, well, the whole Blackest Night. Yeah, yeah. and then the, and there was that that uh scene during Blackest Night where that one Blue Lantern set mentioned, you know, yeah, my home world, yeah, we gotta go save it from Evil Star or whatever she said. Yeah. So like, so <laughs> yeah, they they keep on teasing the Evil Star thing, but. Yeah. I've been freaking waiting. I've I've been waiting for that since the whole <laughs> black hand thing. Yeah. I mean, I like I like how they use Hector Hammond because he's very very creepy and very dangerous and very ominous in this book. And he was only here for two pages, so that's. Mm-hmm. And frankly, and he's what? An, go ahead. Frank, I was gonna say, frankly, he's another one of those really weird, weird, awesome things that I was talking about earlier because he's just like sitting there with his big drooly monster head, and he's just like laughing inside everybody's minds. He's like, ah, oh, it's so cool. I want to see something happen. And what does he know? Because hmm? <laughs> when that when that orderly is being taken out on the cart, he's like saying, and he knows, and he knows, and he knows. <clears throat> like, he might be talking about um, the secret of Parallax, because he, he makes reference, uh, I think on the same page, um... Mr. Rayner brought a story back from space, and I'm listening. I'm listening for you. 
So I don't know if that's what he means. I don't know. We need more Hector Hammond. He's still MIA, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. As far as we know, he's still in the book. Yeah, he was there. Then he was a snake. Then he just kind of went away. <laughs> so I, I I have a question. Um, that just came up with when that I, I'm guessing it's the start of the second issue. Um, when uh something comes bursting out of the citadel on Oa. Right. Mm. Who is <laughs> is that Ganthet or is that Kilowog? I always. Okay, I well. always I always used to think it was Ganthet, but on this read through, I think it has to be Kilowog. Yeah. Because like the the little the little speech, but like those are ring bubbles talking. Mm-hmm. Like find him, find Kyle Rayner. Plus, like he he erupts out of that citadel super violently, and he destroys the Hal Jordan statue. And mm-hmm. and this is like this is the same issue where like halfway through. Kilowog shows... Is it the same issue? Yeah, Kilowog shows up towards the end to get Kyle Rayner. Hmm. So, yeah, I always used to think it was Ganthet. And look but... look at that look at that battery. Does it look charged to you? Or does it look dead? Uh, it should be charged by this point, I think. Yeah, right. It's and supposed my... to be charged, but I don't think it is. That's my point, because <clears throat> if you go back... Towards the very end of the book, when Parallax is being uh, destroyed or sucked into the battery or whatever... That's what ignites the power battery. <clears throat> right. Shouldn't it already be ignited? Like, what yes. were we talking about when Kyle was originally Ion? Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. depending yeah, on if you go by the Ion story or the... Uh, was it the Last Will and Testament of Hal Jordan? Mm-hmm. Um... I think it, it happened two different ways in, in between the both of them. I know Kilowog went into it in the the last will, but I don't know if that recharged it. It, it was what you call it. It was uh, Hal Jordan's ring. Um, taken well, that's the form how, of a, that's, a child or something. God, that was yeah. so well, bad. Yeah, we're gonna cover it eventually, God. but um. <laughs> Right after Will World, <laughs> um, uh, like the ring became Oa. Like right. that's how Oa came back. Well, yeah, according to Blaswell Testament. Yeah, well, they never gave us another explanation ever. Um, no, they didn't. Kyle didn't. Uh... Nope. Are you sure? Yep. Well, he had the power of Ion. Yeah. So he could have just grabbed all the bits and formed them back together. Yeah, if he wanted to. He didn't. Maybe he did. Nah, he didn't. No, he did it in the same off-panel that the Guardians decided, let's grow up. Oh, yeah, no, that happened at the same time, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Slightly <laughs> different, but there was time travel involved. Yeah. Um. Alright. So... I'm going to continue this trend we've been doing of, like, kind of steering the conversation by talking about specific characters. And I can't believe we haven't mentioned him even in name yet, I don't think. Sinestro? Sinestro. Now, the first thing I want to say about Sinestro is look at his character design. Especially, like, the first the first handful of panels where he shows up. 
And, like, they very... Like, I think I remember seeing, like, the original pencils for, like, that uh, that title page of the issue where he, he uh, shows up for the first time. And his head is, like, like twice Massive. that... Yeah, it's twice that big. Like, Van Skyver, like, erased it and made it, like, half the size. But, like, if you look at him, like... The f- from behind on the first page of the next issue and just kind of throughout that issue, he looks like a lot more like bulbous alieny and more lanky and all this stuff than what we're used to seeing now. Yeah. <laughs> Red human. Yeah. Yeah. And I was thinking about this, and I think it would be fair to say that Green Lantern Rebirth is, at least for its time, at least for now, through the present the last classic Sinestro appearance. Because in this, like, he's very much just the straight-up villain. He's the bad guy that wants to tear down the good guy because he's the bad guy. He doesn't... He doesn't want to make anything anybody better. He doesn't want to build up anything. It's his own selfish, power-mad, controlling bitterness... You know, this is this is Sinestro, this is Sinestro, the the grown up version of the Super Friends villain. Well, and they can very easily explain that away by saying that Sinestro himself could have been infected by Parallax as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. they could. Because I mean, he's got a yellow ring on. You know, you would think and- that Parallax would have an even greater hold over him. Yeah. And then, then they mention multiple times from Sinestro's <coughs> own mouth that he has talked with Parallax. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, reading through the... And again, like at the time when it first came out, didn't mean a thing to me. You know, this is the bad guy. He's doing bad guy stuff. That's as far as my mind went. But now after reading... Like, how how long, how the hell long has Jeff Johns been on Green Lantern now? Uh, like, what years. year did this come out? Yeah. Six years? So after reading, like, six or so years of Jeff Johns' Green... Uh, Jeff Johns' take on Sinestro, like, I read Rebirth again today, and I feel like I'm not even reading about the same character. You know, I, I, that's that's definitely valid. Because that's, that's another thing. Jeff Johns did something really, really, in my opinion, great. And that is, after Rebirth, he kept Sinestro off the table for, like, two years. He was strictly relegated to behind-the-scenes stuff. And we didn't even see him again until the Sinestro Corps War. And even then, he showed up in, like, two issues. So, like, nobody got the... Because, I mean, my big complaint is, like, if I'm reading a Batman comic, I hate it when the Joker shows up because... Oh, okay. It's another Joker story. I can't. Can I see some of the other villains? Maybe a little less exposed and more interesting. You can do more with them. And Sinestro could have really easily become that again for Green Lantern, but he was used so sparingly at the beginning that his appearances started to matter more. <laughs> what I like about the Sinestro appearance is the double page spread. <laughs> Where Sinestro gets the first shot in and Hal goes skipping across the surface of the moon. Yeah. And then he turns around, his nose all bloodied and everything, and he's just smiling like, damn, it's good to be alive. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, he hit him so far away 
that he was out of range of his ring's translation. He's like, I'm sure he's lecturing me, because he does that all the time. (laughs) And can I just say, I miss the Watchtower. That is my favorite Justice League base, maybe my favorite superhero base in all of comics. It's like a giant sci-fi castle on the moon. It's awesome. (laughs) You know... One of the things that I wasn't that big on was how Kyle is portrayed when they're going over the constructs. Oh, during the big fight at the end? Right. You know, like, okay, John Stewart, you know, he, he builds his constructs, you know, so he's got, like, this giant machine, you know, thing going. Awesome. And you got Guy, who just kind of comes in, and he's just, like, shooting, you know, just wild... You know, while then, you know, uh, his constructs are just exploding with energy and everything. Kilowog is, uh, his is the only ones that make a sound. Um, Makes sense for Kilowog. Too. Yeah, yeah. And then we get to Kyle, and like, you know, it just shows him, like, it's like he's got his hand on his chin, uh, he's drawing the construct, he's erasing it because it's not, you know, good enough. It's like. <laughs> Well, leaving it to Kyle, apparently, under your, you know, your artistic hand, and, uh, he's fucked. Well, he's a group. If he he didn't have four other Green Lanterns supporting him at that point, I don't think he'd he'd, uh, waste his time with this. (laughs) I mean, he never has before, and I don't think he ever has since. Yeah. Just right here. Uh, Yep. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, you have to you have to take into account the the whole point of this scene too was to showcase that okay, yeah, the ring is going to be a completely different tool depending on the person using it, and like they went they cho- you know, they chose to highlight highlight Kyle as an artist the same way they highlight John as an architect. You know, it was there to make that point and not be like, all right, this is going to be the most practical thing for a superhero to do in combat. You know. That's why it hasn't come up since then either, because this isn't how he fights normally. It was just for this one narrative purpose this time. Yeah. Well, <laughs> there, there, there is another character we haven't mentioned in this book yet, uh, and that's Carol. Yes, the married Carol. Oh yeah. Sure. <laughs> and 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 given our, because currently our consensus view on uh, on Carol is. Let's just stop bringing her back to square one with her relationship with Hal, which they've done yet again in this new yeah. series. Um, but when this first came out, how did y'all feel about Carol then? I, you know, I, I, I like to think that I feel kind of the same way I do now. I don't honestly remember, but I, but I think the fact that <clears throat> you know they didn't go the easy route was refreshing. You know, they could have very easily... I mean, Carol has done... You you want to talk about characters who have done a lot of shit off-page? Carol has, like, had a life, gotten married. I can't remember if they had kids or not. But, like, she she had a lot of shit going on. And, like, it would have been really easy here for her to say or for somebody to bring up, like... Yeah, no, Carol was married, but it didn't work out. 
and that maybe part of the reason that she's at the old air base is because she's trying to figure out what to do with her life since the marriage ended or something like that. But in, And then when Hal comes back, that would be a good segue to putting them back together and blah-de-blah. But what they end up going with was, you know, you get these two characters who have a lot of history together. They have, like, a nice talk, you know, again, two characters who can talk to each other about this stuff because of their history. And... You know, they end it on a note of, you know, it is what it is, and she's still with her husband. So I like that. You know, I like I like the idea of of Hal and Carol being close, being confidants. And yeah, there's they're always still being a little glimmer of something there, but that doesn't mean it has to be pursued. Um, yeah, they when uh when the Green Lanterns suck parallax into the rings and uh it goes directly to the central power battery um that's interesting but the fact that they did that or yeah well if if the rings are a direct conduit (laughs) to the central power battery then what would be the point of them having their own power batteries I know what I want to say, but Chad, what do you think? Uh, I don't think oh. about this. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. I think I think it comes down to the whole like the whole twenty four hour time limit thing, where okay, you play you put your ring to your personal power battery, and it establishes a link between your ring and the central battery. That's why when the central battery went out in Emerald Twilight, all the rings just up and died. Because it, that's what was feeding them energy the whole time. And after 24 hours, that link shut itself off. So you would have to renew it from your personal power battery. But uh, <laughs> in the old stories, with uh, the first time the Necron came around, the central power battery was destroyed, I think, by Krona, and they all had, like basically 24 hours to fix everything because the once the rings were done they were done well that story they also just first of all they never explained why it exploded and they never fixed it so i don't i'm not gonna look to that for for any big answers or hints to anything man it could it could be like almost almost like a reverse uh not reverse a, a way to prove the theory that you, Dan, and I have been working on for the last God knows how long is the fact that eventually they're going to figure out a way to power themselves. I mean, if they, if, if they can input something directly into the battery by bypassing their own battery, and the battery is just essentially collecting the willpower of, the, of, of everything from the universe, of every living being in the universe, then why not withdraw power directly from the living will of every being in the universe. Yeah, I'm choking it more up to, uh... It's like, ah, uh, I gotta figure out a way to get rid of this villain. <laughs> yeah. I'll just, uh, oh. siphon him through the rings. That'll work. Yeah. Eh. Well, I didn't know what you were looking for there, so I just answered. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and it... It makes sense, because, like, they establish in this that that's basically how Parallax got out. You know, I mean, they bring it up a bunch of times that, like, the rings access the the central battery for their AI. They 
say the parallax looked through the rings from the battery. So like it was there. Like they they dangled that carrot in front of us a couple times. Uh, the other thing, when uh, that that last um, appearance of uh, Hector Hammond, one of the things that he says, uh, you know, what a wonderful tale of the human condition. I know it well. Yes. I've listened to all of them across the globe. Rage, sorrow, depression, fear. So, what I'm wondering is, at this point, at this stage in the game, we know that Johns has the, you know, the spectrum idea. You know, he's already laying laying the groundwork for that. Mm. Now, we know rage and fear are definitely part of the, you know, the emotional spectrum. Do you think that sorrow and depression were ever considered for the emotional spectrum, or is he just throwing out words here? I don't think so. Well, I don't think it's... I don't think it has any significance, let me say it that way. So, I mean, there's there is, it, there are moments in here where, where um, you know, if you try to latch meaning onto the use of the word rage or fear, that it just doesn't work. And they're clearly just making using it as descriptive words. Like, uh, I should have bookmarked it. But the, um, uh, like when they were talking about um, Parallax influencing Hal the first time, how it, like, it played on his rage and his fear and his, like, it, like, Parallax wasn't doing anything to the red end of the spectrum or like the red ambient energy that leaks out of Hal Jordan. It was just talking about Hal being angry. Yep. Yeah, not but, going any further than that. But that's not entirely true because with the rage, <clears throat> you know, rage is getting him further away from, you know, the center <laughs> of the spectrum, which is going to draw him not only farther away from green, but closer to yellow on the way to red. Yeah, I know, but like this is one of those where it's just like we're trying to find like a nitpicky like explanation that's not really there. Oh. You know, this is this is this is a this is your your no prize moment. You know, it's one of the it's one of those where like like sometimes angry can mean something significant for the red end of the emotional spectrum, which powers the Red Lantern Corps and the Butcher entity, and then sometimes angry just means angry. That's all. That's as far as it goes. Sometimes a cigar is just a cigar. No, cigar is never just a cigar. The cigar core coming 2013. Oh boy. Now, what about what about Kyle? Because this it was interesting looking at like this time through about the first half of this is very almost I won't say Kyle centric but he's like he is the narrative voice of this story until Hal kind of reasserts himself and gets his shit together cuz like going through all of Hal's inner monologue boxes are like the solid rectangles whereas Kyle's are are the uh the kind of paper ones so like even just flipping through like like so much of this story is being told either through Kyle's inner monologue or through Kyle's exposition to other characters and you know at, this is Kyle coming off of his run as the Green Lantern. 
So what do you... I don't know, I'm kind of forming this as I go. Like, what do you think of Kyle's portrayal in this story? In this story? Yes. Um, <clears throat> well, I mean, aside from, you know, him drawing and erasing his his construct in one of the biggest battles of his life, um, <laughs> it, it was it was good. It was, I would say, good. I mean, I think... It could have been better given, you know, his run. Mm-hmm. But uh, mm. I think it was good. Uh, I, I would think that one of the things you would have a problem with is Kyle fans before this is the fact that when Hal is back and back officially, Kyle still has that unconfidence about him. Like, you know, I'm just the placeholder dude, until you guys get back, so, uh, I'm not like you guys, uh, welcome back, here's the ring, you know, that kind of a thing, I, yeah. I wouldn't think you'd be okay with that. Well, it's not, it's not entirely like that, and what, you know, the other thing is, Kyle grew up being a fan of Hal Jordan as Green Lantern, you know, like, they, they do put that out there, you know, way back in the day. Yeah, yeah. In uh, issue zero, I think, when they were fighting on Oa, Kyle even has, he says something like, uh, you know, what the hell happened to you? You know, growing up, my friends wanted to be like Superman or, or something, and I wanted to be you. Yeah, and now, I mean, especially <laughs> after this storyline where he basically finds out that, oh, well, this is what happened to you. He knows exactly what happened to Hal Jordan because he he knows Parallax firsthand <laughs> now. Yeah. So I mean, you know, it, it it's not <clears throat> it's not really surprising that he would be like, you know, in deference to Hal Jordan's, you know, um his legacy. Yeah. And plus, this is it's interesting cuz this 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 book a few times kind of pulls back and gets a little meta, like not metatextual, but like it starts talking more to the reader than to the characters. Where, um, <clears throat> you know, I I don't know how I I probably do know, but I forget how much you Jim had experience with um like all the the raging or if you will red <laughs> Hal versus Kyle split down Green Lantern fandom for like the decade that like, Hal was gone where like everybody it seemed like you couldn't say like you like one character completely innocently without without it starting like like a, a break the internet in half war between angry fanboys about them. no Kyle should die and we should get Hal back no Hal sucks keep Kyle forever Hal yeah. let's burn all of Hal's old issues yeah no Kyle sucks and like this, you have like, you have Sinestro in the middle of like their, uh, their fight in the Rings of Saturn, which again, awesome sci-fi, fun, crazy, okay. Um, Sinestro says, you know, uh, what does he say? Uh, I'll kill that alley rat. You know, he calls him a fool, and Hal kind of sticks up for him saying, you know, Kyle, Kyle did this job when nobody else could or would. And, you know, Sinestro keeps talking trash about Kyle and Hal demands that Sinestro respect him. And then when Sinestro's out of the picture, 
you know, how does that scene Chad was dis- describing start? It starts with Hal and Kyle just like shaking hands, meeting, you know, uncorrupted for the first time, and Hal thanking him for everything he's been doing. Yeah. So, like, I think this was like, this was Jeff Johns kind of talking to all the readers out there saying, look, guys, can we just be cool with this now and move on? Yeah, well... Yes, for the most part, yes. Um, although I, I, there was definitely still some hostility because of the fact that they just, you know, they just said, okay, Kyle Rayner, you're done for now. Now it's time for Hal Jordan. Which, you know, they put Kyle Rayner in uh, the Green Lantern Corps, but it, it, it was... You know, yeah, it, it, it's difficult it, to... To really, I don't know. It wasn't the same. No. You know? And I honestly, I would be more inclined to blame sales numbers than anything else for Kyle being unseated from his own ongoing solo book. Because, I mean, let's let's be honest here. If it was selling, really selling, they would have kept Kyle in a solo series. The fact that they replaced him with like if. If the Kyle book was doing the kind of numbers that the Green Lantern series has been doing for the last five years, and Jeff Johns came along and said, hey, I have an idea, let's replace Kyle Rayner with Hal Jordan again, DC would be like, um, no, we're selling a lot of books and making money. We're not going to do that. Here, you write Kyle now if you want to write Green Lantern. I, I don't think that the Kyle book was doing that bad. I mean, I'm sure that, you know, it could have been doing better, but I don't think it was doing that bad. And I think, you know, what it comes down to it is that near the end there, they, they really kind of started, like, just kind of phoning it in. Because the end of that, that series was nowhere near, you know, the quality of the rest of it. Yeah. Um, it, it was like, and it was almost like it didn't have a very clear direction anymore yeah you know after he relighted the battery um you know and he he broke up with jade and it was just like weird things started happening like uh the the child guardian that turned into yeah liana liana yeah <clears throat> and then the whole kilowag as the dark warrior thing and it, then- there was some weird stuff and then, like, the, 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 oh, I can't think of the word. The shit that went down with Jade. Yeah, yeah, that, that was all, <laughs> that sucked. Yeah. Um. I remember at the time trying to figure out a way to defend it, but I just couldn't. God. No, it, it was just, it was completely yeah. unnecessary. They just, they yeah. deteriorated his character. <clears throat> yeah, and, you know, I got, I, do want to give Jeff Johns credit. He did a good amount to make Kyle important to this story, which he really didn't need to. But like, like he moves things along in here. Like he's an important, at the very least, he's an important plot element to keep things going and get us to the conclusion, even if it is just delivering information to these characters and bringing the body to this place and doing this and doing that. All of which could have been accomplished without him. 
but instead, you know, again, what does Jeff Johns do? He takes what we already have and he uses it. I think he had to. I mean, yeah. I think he knew that he had to because <laughs> if if Kyle, you know, like okay, like I said, they could have done a better job with Kyle, but if they had done a worse job with Kyle, then you would have had, you know, reverse heat. <laughs> you know, you would have had it you know, from the Kyle fans as opposed to the Hal fans. And, you know, Jeff Johns knew that it's like, okay, well, we're doing this. We're doing this big move. We're bringing back Hal Jordan. It has to be successful. Otherwise, he's going to look like a fool. They did have a Kyle group, though. It was called Kite. I can't remember what it stood for, but it was first K was Kyle's. I would hope so. <laughs> but yeah, like Jeff Johns knew that that this series had to, you know, it had to kick ass. Otherwise, you know, he was going to have you know egg all over his face. And so, in order to do that, you have to not <clears throat> piss off the Kyle fans too much. Yeah, and hell, like it, and especially. You know, you have Hal Jordan turn around and be Kyle's biggest advocate. Yeah. You know, I mean, in, in again, going back to that scene that Chad, thank you for bringing up that scene, Chad. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Where, uh, you know, Kyle's like, like, I'm not like you guys. I'm not, but I'm not fearless and all this. And where is he? Hal says, you know, fighting from one end of the universe to the other, risking your life to help someone who everyone else wrote off. Facing Sinestro one on one and living to talk about it. What do you think you've been doing? Yeah. So like he he like he basically just like like gives him a smile and says, you know what, you're you are good enough. You always have been. And gosh darn it, people like you. <laughs> In front of his mirror, and he just goes off to yeah. to own the day and win a Senate seat. What? What? <laughs> All right. Well, that's what Al Franken did. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see, what else? I feel like no matter what, we're not going to say everything that needs to be said about this. So, uh, why, why don't we talk about our personal reactions to this? You know, when well, when it came out or when we eventually got a chance to read it. Um, okay, can we, can we hold on a second, though? Because I'm starting to get a headache, and I need to go take some medicine before it you turns into a full son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, got I need to do, I need to do that before <laughs> it becomes a full-blown migraine. Okay. All right, be right back. Um, what you going, I just want to point out that, uh, Lantern Cast, uh, friends and family of the Lantern Cast, it was a birthday. Actually, I think there were a couple of birthdays. This past week, so uh, if you had a happy, if you had a birthday <laughs> this past week, and you listened to the Lantern Cast, happy birthday! Yes, happy birthday! I know Meg had one. Oh God, why do you got to point out names? That could have been a birthday greeting for anybody, and you had to go and just point out names. Well, I want to shine a light on the fact that you don't remember any of the people whose birthday it was. Listen, I know exactly. Name name someone who isn't Meg, who had a birthday this past week. I don't know how to pronounce his first name. Oh, that's convenient. He has the initials A-H. So, so not being able to pronounce his first name means you can't pronounce his last name. No, I can't do that either. 
such a liar. <laughs> <clears throat> he knows who he is. Oh, yeah, no, I'm sure he does. This, you just made up. You probably looked at your keyboards like, oh, letters, A, uh, H, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think that was him. While we're waiting for Chad... We should probably edit the... this all out. No, 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 Horrible. keep it. It's fine. <laughs> when did that Spectre series end? Do you know offhand? Like, how, how long before this? Um, I think it was a good few months. So it wasn't like it didn't end like a year before Rebirth or anything? Uh, might have. Let me, let me check. <clears throat> yeah, that, that was not a good book. Really? You know, it's not that it was bad, per se. Uh, I believe that was... Well, you read all of it, so it must have had something going for it. That ended May 2003. Oh, so like two years, wow. Yeah. Well, this was, was well, it 2004? Well, three years. Oh, uh, yeah, late 2004, early 2000. Well, yeah, late 2004, because it spanned 2004 and 2005, and it was only five issues. Right. I'm back. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, the, the problem with the Spectre series <clears throat> was that it never... <clears throat> I, I don't think it actually found its... Uh, Voice. I'm not, I don't want to say that it didn't find its voice. It didn't find the right direction for it. You know, like, in the beginning, it was kind of stumbling around with, uh, you know, your typical Spectre stories. Like, you know, he goes out, oh, he's got to try and either <laughs> redeem or, um, what was this? Uh, he can either redeem or something else. Uh, re don't I don't know that's a word sure it is now <laughs> um, he's either the spirit of vengeance or the spirit of uh, redemption redemption so he could either redeem or venge um, <laughs> he, he kept on trying to go for the redeem aspect and in the beginning it, there were like you know different characters that he would go after like uh, I know the demon was one of them the best was the Two-Face story. He did, like, this whole issue of how, you know, he was going to try and redeem Two-Face. And it turns out that, you know, after all was said and done, it, it's it's not possible. And he couldn't, you know, take out vengeance on him because he was, you know, he had, like, a mission or something like that. And so he had to wait for it. Um... And that, that stuff was very interesting. And then they went on this whole, like, super, <laughs> super, you know, metaphysical, you know, tangent where I think Hal, Hal Jordan's niece was... Oh, yeah, and Abin Sur and all that. Yeah. <laughs> was Abin Sur in it? Yeah. I don't, I don't and... remember Abin Sur... Oh, wait. Oh, yeah, on the spirit plane. I remember, like, his niece lived with him in, like, the world of crazy stairs and stuff. Yeah, yeah, like in some sort of astral plane in, like, Colorado or some some Midwestern state or something like that. Which, who lets the Spectre babysit their child? <laughs> he became, like, her ward. I don't know if her parents died. D did he kill them? 
That's what he does. God, I, you know, I no. He, I think he was like left to care for the child, or the the child had some kind of like supernatural abilities, so he was going to have to watch over her to make sure that she wasn't taken by some evil force. And and that storyline was horrendous. Oh God, it just it seemed to drag on forever. Um. And then in the very end, Sinestro was there for, I, I, I don't even know, it just didn't make any sense, well, it didn't yeah, make any sense at the time. You want to, yeah, you want to talk about something that Rebirth completely contradicts? Because I read that, that uh, two or three issues with Sinestro in it. Yeah. Where, like, if Sinestro isn't really dead and in hell, that story couldn't happen. <laughs> yeah, so, oh, God. All yeah. this is going in the episode, right? Yeah. Just double checking. For the most part. Just uh, making Jane. sure you're Yeah, just making sure you're recording and everything. Yeah. yeah. Oh, this is pertinent. Yeah, no, 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 this is good stuff for the episode, so. Basically I wanna know if I like Mosaic, will I like the Spectre? Uh I don't uh No. <laughs> I'm leaning towards no. The book oh. is too inconsistent. Okay. Yeah. I might try it anyway. You know what? Like, I mean, how many issues are there? There's like uh, 20 some odd issues. Um, if you could get the entire series for less than $20 shipped... <laughs> <laughs> You know, like, like if you could find all the issues in a back issue bin, then, uh, you know, or a 50 cent bin, rather, um, then, then it might be worth it. Yeah, there's 27 issues. So, figure 13.50 out of uh, 50 cent bins, then it might be worth it. It's, it's probably worth it, at least in the sense that you would at least have every appearance of Hal Jordan and understand what he went through, but... I'm not sure how, how much of what Hal Jordan went through as the Spectre outside of Rebirth pertains to what Johns has done since or now. Oh, probably nothing. Yeah, no, I think they've pretty much forgotten everything that's happened in that series. Right. <clears throat> I've, I'd like to see somebody write a Two-Face appearance where he just like sees Hal Jordan and he's like, You! You were in my soul! And everybody's like, Take your pills, Harvey. <laughs> Isn't it cra- and somebody else is like, isn't it crazy how you remember stuff that didn't happen? Anyway, what were we talking about? <laughs> what were we asking before I, uh... Oh, yeah, our, uh, our own personal recollections, you know, of reading Green Lantern Rebirth for the first time. Yeah. Did you basically give yours already, Chad? <laughs> uh, off, off mic when Jim was away. Oh, okay. Well, tell the people. Um, yeah, this is this is uh, my first exposure to a Green Lantern comic book. Period. And um, yeah, I, I, it was uh, Dan asked me this earlier. It was before ever having listened to Lantern Cast. So the uh, so this this whole Green Lantern obsession came purely on a chance and basically uh, judging a book by its cover. And flipping through it a little bit in a bookstore, 
and after after I bought um, this um, this this trade, I read it about five times that night, and then I went back to Borders. I don't know the next day, a week later, something like that. And I bought one of those showcase editions, the black and white reprint, out of order, uh, Green Lantern books. But I they didn't have number one, so I bought volume two. And you know, I kind of started soaking up the experience of Green Lantern and the history of Green Lantern. And I think from there, I because I, I didn't I didn't get no fear and all that other stuff until very recently. Um, after I got into the history of the character, I started picking up with the uh, final crisis like i the picking up issues single issues i started picking up uh with the final crisis rage of the red lantern special so rebirth was uh literally my introduction to the green lantern world um that i can remember i mean um, i was familiar with the character in some fashion i'm i'm a, i know for sure i saw him in justice league cuz i remember watching that a little bit off and on um, the Justice League series was basically, it wasn't something I, you know, set aside time to watch, but if it was on, I'd watch it. So in some facets, uh, I was familiar with the character, but as far as comics go, Rebirth was my first Green Lantern related comic experience. And for the most part, as outside of a few single issues here and there, um, for the most part, my first comic reading experience, uh, as a fan. Uh, I had I had single issues as a kid um, scattered throughout here and there, uh, like the first appearance of uh, I don't know some uh, like Miss Marvel. I had the first appearance of her uh, and stuff like that, but it, it wasn't wasn't really anything consistent. And Green Lantern Rebirth was my first consistent comic book reading experience, basically my real quote unquote introduction to the comic world. So. What about you, Jim? <laughs> For me, um, I wasn't I wasn't really looking forward to it um, because uh, under you know as, as far as what I you know was understanding, they were ending Kyle Rayner, um, and I was done. And then you know you had this new series which was going to start you know restart with Hal Jordan. And, you know, we might see Kyle Rayner as a background character in it, but basically it was going to be Hal Jordan. So I wasn't very happy, and I wasn't looking forward to it. But I got it anyway, and, you know, it starts out, starts out okay. And then when they got to the explanation of Par- you know, Parallax being the giant fear bug, I hated that. I hated it, because... I loved Emerald Emerald Twilight. I, that's like one of my favorite comics. I I loved it. it was such a great story. That's what got me <laughs> loving Green Lantern. I I've been reading comics, you know, for years before that, but that's that's what got me into Green Lantern. And so here you had this, you know, what I thought was this amazing story, and they're basically like, you know, taking taking an axe to it. And, uh, you know, retconning, and I, I really, I didn't like it, I didn't like the explanation that it was a fear bug, you know, it's just like, it, now, looking back with the other entities, it 
makes more sense, but but at the time when you don't have anything else to compare to, you don't have a willpower whale, you know, right alongside it. It's just the fear bug by itself. At which point it's just like so basically Hal Jordan caught a bug and went went rogue. And that explains everything that he's done. And I didn't like that too much. So I finished reading Rebirth, you know, I got got the end of that. And then when the new series started, you know, I had been buying Green Lantern for, you know, years. Ever since Emerald Emerald Twilight, I never missed a month. I bought every Green Lantern Green Lantern issue, every tie in. So when this new series started and I couldn't get my Kyle run, I continued to buy the issues, but I never read them. So it wasn't until one year later that I actually started reading the Hal Jordan issues. You know, as in as in the DC post-Infinite Crisis one year later, or like one calendar year later you just randomly started? No, yeah, I'm talking about the DC um, the storyline one year later. Okay. Now, I, I had picked up the Green Lantern core. I was reading that because it had Kyle in it. So I was buying that and, and reading that one. And then with the Green Lantern you know, story with Hal Jordan. Um, I think, I think I actually may have read the first issue because it was Darwin cook. Um, and I, I love the art and it was just a basic Hal Jordan, you know, origin story one more time. But, uh, but after that, like I just, you know, I was collecting the issues cause you know, I was a good little robot, you know, never missed an mm-hmm. issue. Didn't read them. And then once one year later came around, I, I don't remember what it was. I think it might have had something to do with uh, the cyborg, like the, the cover of Green Lantern with cyborg with all the rings, the cyborg Superman with all the rings. Yeah. And after that, I'm like, okay, I'm like, well, they really pissed me off with the fear bug, but this this is just too cool. I have to check this out. So I went back and started actually reading the issues, and like, and after that, it was just like, oh, you know. It's like I hate what they did, but to you know to get here. But now that they're here, like these stories are amazing. Yeah, I, you know, I, frankly, I didn't want Hal Jordan back. <laughs> like I was fine. Like I'm, I'm with you in that. Well, I don't think you said this. It's entirely, but, but, at least at the time, uh, Emerald Twilight was the best, most interesting Hal Jordan story I ever read. And it's still like, in it would definitely be in like my top three. I agree. And I don't know, like, I just, like, I liked Kyle. I liked that book. I liked the character. When he's done right, he's a fantastic character. And I, like, I just, like, I, I don't want to put too fine a point on it, but I just didn't care about having Hal Jordan back. And, I mean, I was looking forward to Rebirth because, you know, by this point I had read other Jeff Johns' work. So I knew I was it was probably going to be something really cool. And I don't think I'd ever seen Ethan Van Skyver's... Was, was this his first DC work? No, 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 no he was on no. Impulse, wasn't he? Yes, yeah, he was on Impulse. Yeah, so, but, so this was the first DC work of his I'd ever read or seen other than covers for Impulse, which were a lot more cartoony. But um, um, basically, I got Rebirth on the promise of 
<clears throat> of the other things it was going to do. Like, I wanted the core back. Like, even when Kyle was running around doing his own thing, I wanted the Green Lantern core to come back. Every time they would tease us with, maybe Kyle's restarting the core this time, and he never did, I always hoped and hoped that it would stick. Because I, I love that concept more than anything. I wanted that back. And... I can't remember if I knew through solicitations or through online article or whatever, but I think I knew like they were supposedly bringing back like like Guy Gardner or whatever, and John Stewart already had his ring, and and I I I basically basically I was willing to accept getting back Hal Jordan if that was the price I had to pay to get back the Green Lantern core, and even and even when Rebirth was over and we cleared that hurdle and the ongoing series started up, I realized, okay, this is probably going to go back to being just the Hal Jordan book like it used to be. I'm going to try it. But I'm going to give it, like, three issues or one story arc or whichever. And, you know, if there's one person... If there's a writer that can get me to like and care about Hal Jordan, it's probably Jeff Johns. But if I'm not feeling this... I'm probably going to stop. And it, it it didn't hurt that there was Manhunters in the first arc, and I love seeing superheroes fight robots. The more robots, the better. <laughs> and, you know, I liked what I saw. So, I mean, this... It, but it's funny. It's like, at the time, like it was like maybe... I think around the time that Rebirth was over and the ongoing was starting, that's when they did uh, the miniseries Green Lantern Core Recharge, which essentially was Rebirth for the Green Lantern Core. And at the time, like I remember putting that miniseries heads and sh- like way above Rebirth in terms. You of, still like, do, don't you? I you know what? After reading this now, I want to go back and reread that miniseries because I said to Jim. I think last week that this I, this is the first time like for this episode this is the first time since Rebirth came out that I've read the thing the whole thing from beginning to end and I don't think I've done a complete read through of Recharge since its initial release either so I'm very curious to go back and reread that and see how I feel about it both on its own and and um and uh, stacked up against this. But it's and and uh, and speaking of the fear bug thing, like I remember when that issue came around, my God, like I I started reading that, like like you, I usually read comics like slow in general, just because I like to soak in everything the first time through. So I, I usually spend like a half hour per issue. Like I was spending like like five minutes per panel on this thing once he was explaining the parallax thing and I was like I'm like paying like super close attention to the wording and everything trying to see like okay what is this saying is this is this making it the bug's fault is this still how Jordan's and I fully admit part of me just really 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 wanted to hold on to the notion that that it was how Jordan's fault because frankly if you're going to bring him back keep the thing that makes him super interesting. If you want to change the reason that happened a little bit, that's fine. But like it's like it's the whole like like on the Marvel side of things when they said, Oh yeah, no, 
that that wasn't Jean Grey. That was the Phoenix who made her made itself look like Jean Grey, and Jean ha- didn't do any of it. Yeah, that's what happened. Like I didn't want to see that happen. Spoilers. Without... Yes, yeah, spoilers for twenty years ago. Sorry. <laughs> no, no. My dad just got a collection of trades for me today, and one of which is like the Fe- Dark Phoenix saga and a Are bunch you... of stuff. Too it's bad. Me. <laughs> today. Too bad. That's. that's Awesome. Listen, wait, wait. You never watched the X-Men cartoon? I did as a kid. I don't remember a whole lot of it because it, I just found out that the old school... Because um, that's that's part of the reason I remember loving Gambit is because of that series. So I know I watched it as a kid, but I just saw the series is available on Netflix, so I started watching it again. I don't remember a whole lot of it. I remember the Sentinels and all that other stuff, but I don't remember like a lot of the plot and stuff like that. Well... So now, huh. Dan just reminded you. Oh, yeah, there you go. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, um, <laughs> sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> but, uh, and, I mean, we can fight about this if you want, but, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, what's on the page there still says, you know, you know, Parallax, you know, helped tr- Parallax rattle them up and handed him the gun, but Hal Jordan still made the decision to shoot it. You know? Yeah, I, I was, and that was a question I was about to ask you, because in, in this issue, or in this trade, we have, at the very end, towards the very end, uh, Carol talking to Hal about, what do, you, do you remember anything while you were the, that spirit, like while you were the specter? And he says, kind of, but it, but just like I was watching from the outside, how he thinks, and this was my biggest point of thing, who he talked to beyond this life, I can't recall. So they kind of wrote it off, or Jeff kind of wrote it off right then and there, that Hal doesn't remember anything about the Spectres and how he operates. So don't ask any questions. He doesn't, Hal has never technically seen God or heard his voice or anything like that. Yeah. And... And and then I remembered back because I don't remember specifically what y'all said in the episode in the episode, but back in episode twenty one, y'all had the can Hal Jordan be redeemed uh, discussion, which for the listeners out there, if you want to listen to it, episode twenty one, it's only twenty three minutes and eleven seconds long. So you know, <laughs> it's, it's just it's that who's counting? Seconds. It's that eleven <laughs> seconds that's going to push people over the edge. <laughs> so I mean, if you really want to listen to that debate from uh, Dan and Jim, it's it's not that much time out of your day. So yeah, uh, but but I agree with you on on that point because if 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 in the if they say it in this book, you know that Parallax kind of woke up, stretched his tendrils out, found Hal, implanted the roots there. The Coast City pushed him over the edge, but only when uh, Hal entered the battery. Was he fully taken over? Yeah. So everything up until the point that he entered the battery was... Yeah, it was Hal being influenced, like, much in the way that... Uh, remember when Sinestra, or when uh, Hal put on the yellow ring and then Kyle put on the blue and all that other stuff? And then how they said how Hal shouldn't keep the ring on for too long? And how we noticed that Hal was starting to talk like Sinestro? Mm-hmm. Like he was being influenced, and yeah, his 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 perception of things was being warped. But if <clears throat> you you can overcome that, I mean, I think we're seeing now that Sinestro can overcome that too. Like he's starting to do certain things that 
kind of point in that direction. But aside from all that, <clears throat> up until the point Hal entered the battery, he could have turned away. You know what I mean? So Johns pretty much explains that Hal isn't totally blameless here. Yeah. I mean, and being... don't we don't we see later on in the series Hal dealing with that? <clears throat> yeah. I mean, like a huge theme for for the whole Green Lantern concept today is the fact that that you have to like you can't try to be without any particular emotion. You have to learn how to deal with it. And the biggest weakness of the Green Lantern Corps up to this point has been that. They never did that. They tried to be without fear, and that's how fear was able to kick their asses. Uh, reading right from the issue, because I found it while you were talking about that. Uh, as Flaz said, Parallax made Jordan afraid. Afraid of what might happen tomorrow. Jordan tried to recreate Coast City and was reprimanded by the Guardians. He was threatened, told he may be stripped of his power because he used it for personal gain. So he did what anyone desperate and terrified would do. He fought back. And that's basically, that's what it comes down to. Yeah, he took it to an irrational level, but that's because he, you know, one, he wasn't used to dealing with a normal human quantity of fear. And two, he, he was being influenced by the freakish supernatural quantity of fear. <laughs> so. AKA the fear bug. Yeah. Itchy. And you know what's funny? Since I'm reading stuff, <clears throat> the one thing about this story that I didn't like or want was getting Haldron back. And my favorite sequence in this entire miniseries is the page, page and a half to two pages when he he makes it, it back. And, you know, it's when things are looking their bleakest for Ollie and Kyle. They're about to be killed. And the ring on Ollie's finger flares up and flies flies away. <clears throat> and it's Hal's inner monologue as he's coming back to life. He just It just says, I wake up from a dream, and I call to it. It comes as it always did, my weapon, my power ring. My thoughts and emotions shift, my body aches, my soul does not. I'm finally thinking clearly. I'm finally thinking like me. There's no more cries for vengeance, no more fear, but plenty of damn will. Will to stand up, will to fight, and will to live. And, like, you turn the page, and it's just him yelling, Sinestro, get the hell away from them. And that is, like, that's one of those scenes that is so perfectly written. Like, even if you're somebody who doesn't care about Hal Jordan, like, that should have, like, some sort of resonance with you. Hmm. And I, one thing I was thinking of, and I, that's, if you heard pages flipping, <laughs> uh, the original story of how Parallax the Fear Bug was coming to being, I thought they had said something about how it was just the random coalescing of the fear in the universe into this entity, and they don't say that. Yeah, that might have been something I said, because I used to say that a lot. Yeah, uh, a yellow entity that was made of living fear. So they don't necessarily say, you know, they don't, they don't, Jeff Johns doesn't shoot himself in the foot later on by saying this bug that first felt fear or influenced fear became this being, so that well, they, works. They do say that it's sprung into existence at, you know, the beginning, you know, when, when life began. 
Yeah. A story about a creature that was born at the beginning of sentience. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, the groundwork is there. Yeah. Yeah. And something I really like is uh, at the tail end of the flashback explaining Parallax, you get that one image where uh, it's basically a redrawing of that that splash page from uh, Green Lantern 50, where you get you know the battery exploded and there's that full page shot of Hal standing there in his Parallax armor with like the one hand up and the one hand at his side and he's just striking a pose because that's what you do. And this, it shows, like, kind of, like, what we didn't see yeah. in Air Bunnies, where he's, like, his the hand in the air is kind of stroking Parallax's, like, the side of his face, like he's a puppy or something, and, like, his hand is, like, holding his other hand kind of thing, which, you know, I thought that was kind of cool. <laughs> he's caressing him as a lover would do. Oh, God. Speaking of things you kind of liked, I mean, since we're this is the rebirth episode, we're gonna go all out and whatever we think. But this is kind of, uh, you know, whatever. But my favorite characterization of Martin Jordan comes from this book. Yes, and and it's also, and we're probably not thinking of the same thing here, Dan. But a lot of what I like in Hal came from what I like about Martin Jordan in this book. And when it said when we get the flashback of his death. And I'm just going to go ahead and read this and then skip to the next part. Dad gave me his jacket to hold on to. He said you could read a man. He always said you could read a man's integrity by the way he wore his jacket. He had it high on his shoulders, close to his neck, but open, ready to offer it to anyone who needed it more than him. Hmm. And then later on, he says, I swore I'd never let go of this jacket and that I'd always wear it right. And that, that to me, in my mind, that solidified a lot about Martin and that and in turn solidified a lot about Hal, and then the look on Hal's face when he says that, that particular line, makes me think of, you know, there's a lot of sorrow in this guy. Like, he's he, what he's going through between Parallax and, and the Spectre at that moment, combined with what he remembers about what his dad taught him, like, he's just a man that's tore it apart right now. So when he gets his ring back, and he's finally separated from Parallax and, and the Spectre, when I first picked up this book, I was really like, hell yes, now go take that asshole out. You know what I mean? Hmm. Like, I was really rooting for Hal in that moment because of what it said right there. I know that's not a whole lot to a lot of people, but to me, that, that, and I don't, yeah, I've read stuff in the past about, uh, well, Martin Jordan was a drunk, he was abusive, um, you know, whatever else may have happened in the past uh, issues and past incarnations, but all I've ever really needed to know about Martin Jordan was from that, that line and how it affected Hal. Yeah. So, <laughs> because every time you see Hal, he's always wearing that bomber jacket. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and I think this is, this is the story that really, that like gave like the origin of this jacket, you know, where like the, it makes it mean something to him and his character and his history. Just like how it, uh, I think this is also where they changed it so that Carol was there with him the day that his father died. Mm-hmm. And it's these little tweaks that can completely change how you can, or at least aspects of how you can look at some of these characters in their adult lives, as well as like the foundations of their relationships. They did. They even did like a quick retcon too, by saying that 
you know, in the original story, how Hal wasn't flying a plane, he was in a simulator. And then mm. they, that's, they, they say, Carol says, that's why my dad tried to keep you on the ground and in simulators. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, just a quick correction. The, uh, the AH that I said? Uh-huh. Completely wrong. Yeah, oh yeah, really? No, yes. no, you don't say. I mean, like, I actually could not have been more wrong. Yeah, what, what was it, really? Uh, actually, there were three birthdays, uh, all with the first initial M. Uh, last initials L, S, and S-C. What are you talking about? Nothing, he's, don't worry about it. He's backpedaling, don't mind him. Okay. It's fine, don't worry about it. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, like, like I said, what I just said about the jacket seems insignificant to a lot of people, but at the time, that was a very significant characterization to the character of Martin Jordan and in turn who Hal Jordan was because I know I said it already, but literally everything I know about Thor, everything I know about Gambit, uh, everything I know about comics period wouldn't have happened if I didn't read this book. So, so for Hal Jordan's characterization as a person and as a hero to mean enough to me to go back and not only didn't I, did I just read, like more Jeff John stories or more Kyle Rayner stories. I went back to the beginning with the showcase stuff and tried to figure out more about this person. And then I leaped to other comics from there. So everything in this book holds some weight to me in some form or another. And it's because of that line that I got into like the characterization of the heroes instead of just reading, reading a good comic and not, and, 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 you know, just going, Oh, that was cool. And then moving on to the next one. It, that it's because of a line like that that I started delving deeper into the comics and trying to see what was happening behind the scenes, trying to see what the writer was doing to characterize the character, and so on and so forth. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely it's it's really impressive when something as tiny as an observation about an article of clothing can just start to speak volumes about who and what this person is as a person. So, I mean, right. there's even like later on in the book, there's a, there's this scene like, right after uh, Kyle finishes telling Ollie about, you know, what all happened to Hal and Ollie's just quiet. And, and Kyle's inner monologue is, you know, the mask hides any tears. That's why John took his off. Like, it's not exact, like not exactly the same thing, but like it's kind of in that vein of what you're talking about too. Yep. Okay, so Chad, <laughs> because of you know, because of the way that you know they talked about the coat, it made Chad want to actually go back and uh, you know read everything that he could get his hands on with Green Lantern. And with me, it was my collector mentality <laughs> that forced me to keep buying issues. Yeah, you're just a soulless shill. Where's Chad? <laughs> well, it, that, he's it, a, a person. <laughs> it's it's because of it's because of a line like that because I understood what it was saying, and I didn't expect that out of a comic book at the time. You know what I mean? Because I I'm not gonna sit there sit here and say I did have the mentality because I don't really. Even then, I kind of believed in giving everything its fair shake before you make a judgment on it, but. To go into a comic book and get that kind of depth out of a comic book, because 
I wouldn't say that my dad and I have that kind of a relationship to where it really struck a chord with me. But uh, my dad and I, and then my my grandfather and I, have enough of a relationship to where I can understand how your dad dying in front of you and him saying that to you and how that would have an effect on you. And I didn't expect that kind of depth from a comic book. You know what I mean? Mm. So 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 to open so to not necessarily open my eyes, but to make me more aware of something that was already staring me in the face is what pushed me into comics from this book and from that line. Well, Chad, it must be nice to have a soul. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, that just adds some pounds. (laughs) I mean, it's an interesting way to go about telling this story. Because, I mean, a lot of this, like, so many scenes either begin or end with characters kind of standing around reminiscing about how awesome Hal Jordan was and why why everybody should like him and why it would be great if he came back at the same time that they're telling the story of Hal Jordan fighting his way back so that by the time you get to the end, yet you hopefully have this sense of, awesome, he's back. Which is what I felt. Yeah. And I didn't read anything prior to this, so it's like I was missing someone who I didn't even know was around yet. You know what I mean? Yeah, which which, which actually I think, and I don't think we even touched on this, but this is like a fantastic jumping on point for new readers. Because, I mean, I, if you've never had any exposure to Green Lantern or any of the controversy or the Kyle Kyle stuff or any of the editorial crap, you just read this. Like, the only person in this entire book that doesn't like Hal Jordan and sing his praises is Batman. So, like, you're getting exposed to, like, five issues of people talking about why you want to have Hal Jordan around. And they do it in a way that it doesn't feel heavy-handed. It doesn't feel like they're forcing it on you. It's just, you know, this is a great guy and they miss him and here's why. And it and, comes off as super legitimate. And and not for nothing, but if I'm not mistaken, wasn't this book also Jason Grice's first experience with Green Lantern? Uh, it might have been. Was it this or I'm, was it Sinestro Corps War? No, I'm it pretty, wasn't this. I'm pretty sure it was this. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but... For someone who's a Batman fan, because this has been this has been an argument since this book has come out, is the way <laughs> Batman was portrayed in this book. And a lot of hardcore Batman fans and not so hardcore Batman fans don't like it because of that fact. But for someone who's as big of a Batman fan as Jason Grice to read this book and become a fan of Green Lantern out of it despite the treatment of Batman in here, it says a lot about the book. I mean, regardless of whether it was his first exposure or not, to still power your way through that characterization of one of your of your favorite character in comics, period, and still come out as a fan of this <laughs> new character to you, I mean, that says a lot. Can you imagine, imagine if they went through with making Batman Parallax? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, there was supposed to be a scene where Batman Parallax pulls out a gun and shoots Robin... I mean, my God. Was his name <laughs> Battleaxe? That would... No. That'd be awesome. <laughs> it's Battleaxe! 
Uh, <laughs> yeah. Parabat. Parabat. It's just two bats. No, it's, it's false alarm. It's just two regular bats. <laughs> oh, man. It's a bat bug. No, 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 Chad's right. What? It was Rebirth. That was Jason's first intro. Oh, good. Ah, the historian strikes again. There you go. Dun, dun, dun. Man. Like, part of me wanted to go through and just pick out every little awesome art thing that's in this. Like, like... The first time you see Carol, she's in front of the Coast City sign, and it's the population. Or no, it's the Coast City 25 miles, and somebody spray-painted on it, not anymore, with yellow paint. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, like, like this, like, we can't do it now, but this is filled with all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and absolutely can't do it right now. <laughs> I, I'll say this. When this came out, being, like I said, the first exposure to comics I'd had, really, um, I loved this art. And in comparison with uh, Van Skyver's recent work, I think this is better than what he's doing now. I think now he's got like a lot more lines. Um, I think Jim would probably agree with me on this because I think you and I kind of have the same view on Van Skyver now. We've kind of grown out of him, um, but I think this is better than what he's done. He's doing currently. You know, I, I I I don't completely agree with that. Um, Okay. I think he's becoming more stylized now. Okay. Um, I still do. I still do really like his art, and I thought I'm like one of the few people that thought he, you know, he still did a good job with uh, the Flash Rebirth. Boo! No, no, I don't Boo. agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. So. No, he's he's trying to be faster. He's like he flat out said that, and it's not working for him. I mean. He like he wanted to show DC that he could do a monthly book with Flash Rebirth, and that didn't work. <laughs> that, that, that didn't work out. And well. and not only was it super late, but the work suffered. Like I I have said so many times, and I'll say it again. If the Van Skyver we got on Flash Rebirth was the Van Skyver we got on Green Lantern Rebirth, it would have been a fantastic book. Mm-hmm. But, like, instead we got a book that, you know, it had some good stuff in it, but the art, I think, got progressively worse as it went on. And I know he had personal factors that got in the way, but at the same time, I it it does, I'm sorry, it does taint the finished product of the book. Yeah, and, and this is to clarify my view here uh, to the listeners. I still agree that Van Skyver is one of the better, one of the best artists in the industry right now. It's just I've been since been exposed to more more types in, of art and more artists, and he's not my number one anymore. Well, yeah, and, yeah, and I mean, that's... And, and it's, it's not necessarily due to the fact that I've been uh, exposed to more... Part of it, a very small part of it, is the fact that his style has, in my mind, dropped lower. Well... Just, I, I don't think the quality is there as much anymore. Which, but I mean, it's, it's perfectly understandable to grow out of artists. Right. I mean, and especially with with you, who, you know, you started with Rebirth. I mean, for right. the most part, by and large. And since then, you have, you know, you've been exposed to tons more artists. Yeah. Right. Plus, at the time that you got Rebirth, there was like other eras of Van Skyver's artwork out there at the same time too. So you could almost run, 
you could have picked up like three random trays drawn by the guy and have three completely different versions of his artwork right in front of you at the same time. Right. <clears throat> I mentioned a question. A question I had for for you two, considering out of the three of us, you guys have you know, like I said, more comic experience. Um, when like like Jim said, when this came out, he didn't like the fact that the Fear Bug came out. What what is it about Rebirth aside from the fact that it set up everything that's we've come to love in the past few years? What is it about Rebirth that that <laughs> holds it up as one of the better Green Lantern stories in your mind, if if indeed you do think it's one of the best Green Lantern stories in a while. I think it's the fact that the tone and the feeling of it is big and epic without being an event. It, you know, it's not just a Hal Jordan story. It's an overall Green Lantern story kind of on the edges, on the fringes of being a larger DC story. It's, I mean, I read this, and even though it's not perfectly proportionate, I feel like, okay, Jon Stewart and Guy Gardner had as much to do that I, in this book as Hal Jordan did. I feel like, you know, that big fight at the end wasn't Hal versus Parallax, that was everybody with a ring versus Parallax. It was, it had this, this nice, slow, steady, subtle, creepy build that kept building and building throughout the issues and maybe you saw the the revelation coming maybe you didn't maybe it worked as a mystery for you maybe it didn't but by the time you get through all of this fantastic characterization and this dialogue that that you know there there was only like you could count on one hand the number of lines in this thing that I would have rather they wrote differently and then you get to that huge fight at the end where it's just this this celebration of what Green Lantern is and what the core is like it's you know it's 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 everything it's almost everything that I would want a big eventish story to be we, and it has some great art on top of it and not to mention you said you love the Green Lantern core and for all intents and purposes this is as close to the core as you're going to get at this moment, because every Green Lantern available at the moment is fighting against this one individual. Mm-hmm. So, what about you, Jim? Um, for me, yeah, I don't rank Rebirth as one of my favorites. Um, I I look at it as necessary for getting <laughs> to where we are now, and disregarding the whole fear bug, you know, aspect of it. I think it was very good, but I mean, like some of my favorite storylines are Emerald Twilight, uh, the Ion storyline, uh, the Sinestro Corps war was amazing. Mm. Um, I mean, I even really liked the, uh, the star Sapphire story in Green Lantern Corps. Mm. I, I ranked that pretty high. Um, well, so, but when it came out, nothing else, because you, you were keeping up with it up until this point. It's not like you, you know, waited a year and a half to read Rebirth. Right. When it came out, outside of the Fearbug thing, you said you think it was pretty good. Why? <laughs> like, what did you like about it? 
Well, I, I did really like the art. I love okay. the art. Um, and I, that, that actually, I think, is... That, that was one of the most favorable things that I, you know, felt towards it. Um, now, when I say that it's, you know, I think it's good, <laughs> I think it's more good now that we have seen the stories that I would say justify some of the decisions made in Rebirth. You know, like, when, where, where I'm coming from before Rebirth like a lot of the things that they did there there are you know there's some plot holes in there like like the guardians just all of a sudden you know being old and um parallax being able to go through the rings directly to the power battery or the fact that the power battery looked dead until parallax went into the battery um you know there, there's a few things here and there that i i had issues with um and it's it wasn't really until you know much later on where we find out that there's actually you know a green entity and there's actually you know like there you know there are these entities that have existed and they're they're pulling them from from continuity and it's like you know the way that the the whole mythology of green lantern developed from rebirth going forward and the amount of things that John's like kind of sewed into Rebirth, setting the you know setting the seeds for what he was going to be doing, you know, like when when you when you get to Blackest Night, and you know you realize that that's two and a half years after. Um, wait, no. When you get to Sinestro Core War, I, don't know, I think that's what I said. When you get to Sinestro Corps War and realize that's two and a half years after Rebirth started, and you can see that there are storylines, you know, there's, there's things that they put in in Rebirth that play out, you know, in the Sinestro Corps War, it's like, okay, that's amazing. Johns has been setting this up for two and a half years. And then Blackest Night comes around, you know, which is what, five, five years, six years removed from Rebirth, and you see this, the seeds for for Blackest Night. So, I mean, like, when you look at it from that perspective, for that this is the starting point for Jeff Johns' roadmap of Green Lantern that he's been setting forward, and I have no doubt that the, uh, you know, him referencing um, the star... Um, star guy, evil star. star, evil star. Him referencing evil star here, and then bring him in in issue five or six or so. Um, like that's gonna play out in issues like you know seventy five, eighty, whatever. Oh, well, now they restarted, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, I think it's funny that the big thing you didn't like was that Parallax was an entity. The only thing that kept you from liking it was that there wasn't more of them. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. <laughs> that's so weird. Yeah, like if I knew, if I had known that Ion was an entity as well, well actually the whole Ion thing being an entity, I wasn't too fond of that at first. Like, I was like saying, I hate, 
I hate pizza because I've only had a slice. But when I ate seven pies, shit, uh, that stuff's good. Oh, man. Well, no, I mean, it's like it's like being exposed to pizza for the very first time and there's anchovies on it. It's like, oh, God, I hate anchovies. This pizza, you know, idea sucks. But when you when you reveal a pie of eight slices and each one has a different topping, it's like, ooh, I can have mushroom. Ooh, I can have pepperoni. Or, ooh, I can have plain. Then all of a sudden, you know, you're you're a lot more positive towards pizza in general. That's how Chad, that's how I say it. Chad, how do you feel about pizza? <laughs> I hate anchovies. I hate mushrooms. <laughs> My I love pizza. But My, we've already wait. We've had this conversation because I said something about not liking <laughs> thin thin crust, and you said you can't say that until you've had New York pizza. I don't think I said that. So one of you said that, because I said I don't like thin crust, period, and you said you haven't had a real thin crust pizza until you've been to New York, and then you can make that judgment. It's probably Jim, but there's I'm, a... There's I'm, a not, I'm not a huge fan of thin crust pizza. I'm, I'm thin a fan crust of like, regular. Is the best. Thin crust is the best. I like And it I probably like was you who said that. No, I don't have any particular New York pizza to try. There's a place like three blocks away from me right now that does awesome thin crust pizza. Awesome Hawaiian pizza, too. Throwing that out there. My favorite. Awesome. <laughs> Anyways, back on topic. So, so in, 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 on the theme of this whole hindsight being 2020, the other question I wanted to ask you guys on the same line. Wait, like, wait, wait, this... wait, wait, wait. We should, we should like, limit it to, like, is this going to be the last question? Yes, yes. <laughs> okay. Yes, because I, I think I'm out after this point. Good. They have been waiting for this for so long. They've been <laughs> waiting for this episode for three years. They're getting an hour per year, goddammit. <laughs> what, Basically. What, what, I've, what I've been wondering, since I asked the previous question, <laughs> was when this came out, because I wasn't a member of any kind of comics community or anything like that, what was the internet buzz? Like, what was the top... It, it, was previews coming out back then? And, like, when it came out, what was the buzz going on? Did, did you have the comic forums or something like that to talk? Like, what was what was all the, the fanboy, Green Lantern fanboy buzz like? Oh, I remember it very clearly. Hmm. It was uh, all the members of Heat came back and were like, it's like, you know, basically holding it over everybody's head as far as, like, you see, you know, they they had to bring back Hal Jordan, you know, because Kyle couldn't make it. Re- regardless of the fact that Kyle kept the series going for 130-some-odd issues. Um, but, yeah, they were, they were very... There were a lot of arguments <laughs> because of the fact that they brought Hal back just as much. Mm-hmm. And there was previews... That, well, this was in 2004, so the internet was in full swing. There oh God, yeah! Plenty of message boards that were lighting up because of this, you know, this whole situation. I think at best there was a lot of wait and see in terms of where Kyle goes from this, and I think it helped that he was featured prominently in a Green Lantern Corps recharge, basically immediately afterwards. Right, but the fact, like before, <laughs> we knew that that was going to happen, and you know, you're just looking at Rebirth. There were there were a bunch of people that were like it's like ha ha Kyle failed now Hal's back. Well, so the so the whole internet was alight with like people warring over who's better Kyle or Hal instead of people like when when a storyline is coming up like um, War of the Green Lanterns or something 
or Blackest Night, whenever we post a topic in the forum about that, before the first issue even comes out, more of it is about how is it going to happen and how is it going to play out. So everyone was just too busy warring over who's better to even theorize about how Hal actually comes back. Oh, no, Basically. yeah, yeah, no, because back then, <clears throat> you, what you have to understand is that Jeff Johns writes comics basically unlike anybody before him has. Um, and the whole concept of trying to theorize what's going to happen and how it's going to happen, you didn't do that. Because, like, the the clues were either not there at all or they were just, like, very subtle um, to the point that like, after it was all over, you'd look back and be like, oh, I guess they were, you know, dropping hints here and there. But, you know, by and large, they did not do anything like what Johns does. Yeah, like, if you were, you can go through the entire pre-Johns era, like, generations and eras and whatever, and, you know, read those stories, and you'll come up with ideas of stuff you would love to see them do, and you can speculate about, oh, that may might come back to this eventually, but it's like, it's more just like a fun exercise on your part, whereas with Johns, when you do that, you realize there's a good chance that it might actually happen. Right. And and not to mention that with like Blackest Night or War of the Green Lanterns or something, you know, those aren't the stories of of replacing the main character with somebody else. Whereas this, like, I think a lot of people were looking at this not as a story, but as as just a status quo shifter to bring Hal back and boot Kyle. Right. A means to an hmm. end. Which is funny, considering we've been talking about it for three hours about how it's an awesome story. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, are we done? <clears throat> There's one last thing I would like to read from this trade. Dear God. It's short. Go ahead. <laughs> is from the introduction by Brad Meltzer, who wrote Identity Crisis and... Uh, oh, God. I, I did like this. Oh, that, yeah, this, well, he also it, wrote the first arc of... Uh, arc or two of Justice League of America. Yeah, but, and I will say, I forgot what issue number it was, he wrote a, a one-shot where Red Arrow and Vixen were trapped in a skyscraper underwater. That was a fantastic issue. Everybody should pick it up. Uh, he writes... And this is just going to be like an excerpt. So don't worry. This is Brad Meltzer talking. Uh, now let me be clear here. People think Rebirth is about the return of Hal Jordan. And it is. But it's also about the return of Green Lantern. The core. The mythos. The idea that the most powerful weapon in the universe is a tiny green ring. And that each ring bearer wields it differently. And similarly. Uh, lost my place. <laughs> that the ring can empower, corrupt, create, and destroy, and that the history of the spacefaring knights of the round table is as vital as the present. In lesser hands, Rebirth would have given us exactly what we wanted, Hal Jordan back in the costume. In Jeff's able hands, we got the return of the lore that made Hal Jordan great. That's it. The only thing that I have with that is that I don't think Jeff Johns, you know, brought about the return of the lore that made Hal Jordan great. I think he invented 
a new lore that for the first time really made Hal Jordan like you know an amazing character to read. Now he didn't make he didn't invent it out of thin air. He took you say it yourself. Well, yeah, no, no, no. He does. He took what was already there and just framed it in a new way. Yes, but he took he took the random everything that was going on in Green Lantern from the past, and he sewed it together into a cohesive um, a cohesive unit. I mean, like you know, to, to say you know that back then that things were as well thought out as they are now. I mean, it just, it, it, it's not true. No, it, that's not what they're saying. Like, uh, God, you're tired and you're t- arguing about semantics. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. Not, no, I'm not. <laughs> look, look, look at this. Like, how many times have they done Hal versus Sinestro pre-Johns? Like, a billion. And yet you read it this time around... And the way that Johns portrays it is, it gives it like a significance. It gives it an, an excitement and energy, which is what we're like, getting at. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, like, that's my point. What I'm, my point is that back then, you know, it was Green Lantern fighting a villain. You know, it was his arch nemesis. Okay, blah blah blah. They fight, and then they walk away. And you know, in a few months again, the villain will come back. You know, and they'll fight again. And, it was it was all just it was ha- it was happening because you knew it was going to happen. The the way that Johns has developed it now, the the mythos has never been like this. It, it's never been this developed. It's never been this. Uh, it's it's never had this depth of storytelling. Look, all this quote said was that. He brought back, he brought back the stuff that was always there, in his way, and it's awesome. That's it. That's it. Oh, because because I thought the wording was a little different the first time you read it. Yeah, well, that's before I remembered what grade reading level you're at, so I had to dumb it down a little bit. Oh, oh snap! <laughs> so if you like to contact us, yeah, I'm, I'm, talking I'm about- sorry that my mind analyzes <laughs> these things on a higher level that you can perceive. And talk about pizza, that's lanterngas at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> Next episode, we'll have a poetry reading <laughs> and uh, a Larfleas report. Next regular episode, that is, unless, like, a mosaic or Elseworlds or something comes out between now and then. Yeah, I don't know about that one. <laughs> you owe people Red Sun, don't you? <laughs> we do. We do. And you have to help us with that one, right? Didn't you say we you were going to be on for that one? Ah, fuck. All right. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, so basically, we have no idea what's going to be next episode. Yeah. Well, next oh, no, episode no, no. will probably be, uh, be, uh, the, what month just happened? December, folks, right? Right. Or it could be another topic that we've talked about. That's true. I don't remember. <laughs> we do actually have plans now people yes we have like we have several topics planned so yeah that was like months ago i don't remember what we said <laughs> okay so if you want to contact us you could do so at lanterncast.gmail.com we have a website lanterncast.com we all have individual email addresses at lanterncast.com dan jim chad jason james are world famous world renowned editor 
it's just true now, because he keeps moving to different parts of it. I know. That's why I said it. <laughs> if you go to our website, atlanticast.com, you have links to our forum, links to our Facebook page, gallery, Twitter. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. You can re- leave a review. You can leave a voicemail at 708-LANTERN. Uh, we actually have a voicemail. I guess maybe we'll try and play that next episode. Nice. And uh, I think that's it. Yeah. Twitter we never use. Various Twitters. Yeah. <laughs> Different colored Twitters. Uh, coreconjecture.blogspot.com is this little blog I found. You know, it's... It's okay. I like how Dan yeah. promotes that more than Chad. Yeah, it's true. Well, I don't want to be self-servicing, so I don't say anything about it. <laughs> self-servicing. God. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh what a great note to end on. Yep. Yeah. Hope you enjoyed your rebirth, everybody. <laughs> Good night, everyone. Good night. Next comes the afterbirth. Oh. Oh. <laughs>